Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Hey, what's up, everyone? Hope you had a great weekend. Welcome to a Monday edition and another week of WST here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson and Michael Remus with you. And we're going to pack a lot into today's show. Um, unfortunately, we do not have Canada at the World Cup to talk about anymore because our women were trounced today by the host Matildas of Australia. And uh, lots to talk about with that and just where Canada soccer in general is at right now after, to say the least, a very tumultuous year overall. Gareth Wheeler of One Soccer is going to jump on with us coming up in a few minutes. Looking forward to that. Uh, I don't know how many of you were out at the Sea Bears game on Saturday, but well done, Winnipeg. Again, another record crowd. Amazing, amazing atmosphere at Canada Life Centre on Saturday night. Unfortunately, the home team was not able to win and clinch first place in the West. And that means that the playoff game this week is not on Sunday anymore. It is now a play-in game, if you will, on Friday night at Canada Life Centre. And uh, Joey Slattery, who was looking damn fine on the sidelines doing uh, courtside work for the CEBL broadcast. And, of course, you know him from uh, CTV Sports. He's going to jump on. We'll talk a little bit about the season overall as well as a look ahead to uh, the big playoff game here in Winnipeg on Friday night. Uh, Very busy weekend in the Canadian Football League and a lot to talk about, as well as a little update on the Jets offseason. We'll have Jeff Hamilton coming on and to commemorate the historic achievement of the Edmonton Elks losing their 21st straight home game to become the sole owner of the home futility loss for North American professional sports. A Winnipeg native, former Vanier Cup champion, former Kelvin Clipper, and also former Grey Cup champion with the Edmonton Elks, Eddie Steele is going to jump on. And Eddie, like I'm sure anyone with a connection to the Elks organization, was hot on the weekend. Really looking forward to having Eddie on the program. We'll get to Cool Bet Lines. We will get to picks for Assiniboia Downs. And all of that coming up over the next couple hours. So great to have you all with us. Big shout out to the sponsors that make this show happen each and every day. Um, Of course, our friends at Princess Auto, Cool Bet Canada, as well as the Winnipeg Gold Eyes, Assiniboia Downs, Breezy Bend, Aikens Lake, Little Brown Jug, BP and Royal Sports, Consolidated Supply, F Apparel and Nick and Nicky DQ, Wallace and Wallace, Vita Health Fresh Market, Canadian Club, Manitoba Battery, Aquatech, and our gang down at Modern Man Barbershops. Let's get Michael Remus in here. And um, Remo, uh, how was the weekend? And most importantly, how was the mayhem, the chaos, the madness of a four-year-old birthday party? Yeah, it's uh, pretty stressful. Uh, <laughs> pretty stressful, but... Um... Yeah, it's fun to host and happy for my son celebrating his fourth birthday this week. And shout out to Nick. Uh, gave us a, a nice Hot Wheels DQ cake. Oh, yeah. It was perfect. Uh, great weather yesterday, just all weekend too. So um, stressful, but uh, but fun and uh, kind of cool. I don't know. They have a 
you know, they grow, they do grow up very fast. I'll say that it was only like a couple of days ago we brought him home from the hospital. Felt like now he's four. <laughs> well, hey, big shout out and a happy birthday to Evan. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you had the bouncy castle. Did it turn essentially into a royal rumble yes. of four year olds? Got to be that... careful. There's some bonsai drops, uh, frog <laughs> splashes. Those bouncy castles, mayhem. They got to be supervised. I would have loved to have gotten a camera up for that. And then maybe, you know, you put all the kids in and then we could put betting lines on who the first kid to have to come out of the bouncy castle and mm-hmm. uh, much like much like a cage match. Who who will be the first <laughs> one to escape or who one uh, has to? Anyways, I'm glad it went well. I know I know you had a lot on a lot on the, your plate. Um but you know we're gonna get to Sea Bears in a minute. You did get the fam out to uh, Valor on the weekend. How was the uh, Valor experience? We're gonna talk soccer with Gareth, and we're not really gonna get too much into the CPL. And it's been a rough run lately for our local soccer side. Um, But uh, it, it, I mean, listen, the games are fun. The talent in the league, I think, is quality. We maybe haven't spent as much time talking about it this year with a lot of other things happening, and of course, the Sierra is around, but. People shouldn't be sleeping on Valor. Did uh, did the family have a good time at that? I will say Valor, great experience. You know, parked right across the stadium, walked in. It had some nice uh, activations there for kids, although we they closed up, like, right when the second half started. Some of the st- stuff, a bit disappointing, but that's fine. Uh, walked around, had some popcorn, candy, watched a little soccer. Really impressed with the fans there. Has to get loud at the appropriate times. A lot of gear. Uh, at the Valor game, and it was a beautiful day. Nice sitting in the sun, uh, and shout out to Canadian Club for uh, sending over tickets. A nice, uh, nice Saturday afternoon with the family. But yeah, it's not going great for Valor this year. Has uh, what seventh in the CPL, only three wins in seventeen matches. Um, not, not an ideal season, but uh, hey, it was a great. Nice little Saturday afternoon. So I, I'm looking to get to more of those games with the family. Nice to walk around the concourse, see all, see all the stuff. So. Uh, I did enjoy my time at the Valor game. Yeah, um, and we'll have to get out there for another one before uh, before it's all done. Shout out to everybody in chat. Great to have you all with us. Phyllis, nicely done. Had two CFL bets on the weekend. Won them both. I don't think I can say uh, the same for myself. Um, we will spend... That was... Listen, uh, Westy must have been loving it last night. Watching that game. <laughs> Just field goal after field goal after field goal. Um, yeah, listen, it, it was an exciting game. It came right down to the end. Mm-hmm. Um, Calgary, though, dropping to two and five. Uh, and, of course, the Bombers were off. We saw a, another strong performance by the Argos. I don't know what the hell I was thinking that the Saskatchewan Rough Riders were going to be able to keep that game close within single digits. Uh, and obviously, you've got a bit of a quarterback controversy in Saskatchewan. No controversy who the number one team in the league is right now. The undefeated double blue of the Toronto Argos are 6-0 and right now. And the BC Lions are looking real good after putting an absolute thumping on the Elks. And Remo, this is, I mean, basically this week is going to be Lions week, if you will. Counting down to that huge game on Thursday night at IG Field. Um, but we do have to take a moment to recognize greatness in futility. And the Elks are now the Elks. A good are pause now, there. Yeah. The recognize greatness. Now. I'm like, oh, who could that be? <laughs> oh, and eight, 21 straight home losses, uh, a, a disaster of 
proportions we haven't seen in this league in a long time. Eddie Steele's going to jump on with us, and uh, it'd be very interesting to hear a former player and someone that cares very greatly about the CFL and the league in that market talk about it. Uh, but we shouldn't be surprised there were some changes. Uh, McAdoo's out. Jarius Jackson's in as the offensive coordinator. And mercifully, Taylor Cornelius will not be taking number one reps in practice this week. Yeah, I think you've had to have seen enough from him. And now, uh, I think we should clarify, like the Bombers didn't score a touchdown in their meeting with uh, with BC this year. However, Edmonton, it's been, yes, greatness in futility. They've been shut out twice yes, by that's, BC. That's Eight pretty, quarters, that's, zero points, not even a rouge. That's that's pretty hard. And I will, I will give a shout-out to a CFL Week 8. Um, we had two games went down to the wire. Hamilton at Ottawa on Friday and Calgary-Montreal yesterday. Calgary with a chance to win at the end, not able to, and Ottawa as well. So the defense holding holding strong on both both games also featuring weather delays, um, so they had to work around that. But Edmonton, yeah, it's just you're kind of seeing the same thing over. They keep rolling with Cornelius. They didn't bench him. Like six quarter, pointless quarters against BC. Like how much more do you need to see before giving these guys a chance? Uh, I know Davis Sanchez talked after the game about um, being under pressure and not really having that hot route or an alternate plan. It just seemed like the offense... Um, wasn't prepared. They're taking a lot of penalties as well. And it's just been oh, the they terrible. Had like they had like 130 yards in penalties in the first half. Yeah. Like, and, it's, and it's been like that all year for Edmonton. You know, penalties, a uh, coaching issue. Yeah, 177 penal- you know, yards on penalties, 13 penalties taken. Not ideal for Edmonton. You're at home. And, you know, I'd like to see a better effort than that. I feel bad for the fans. This very, rem- you know, you're having memories of like the Joe Mack era when it got really bad here, but this is much worse when you haven't won a game at home in years. Um, so well, disappointing it, to see. It, I mean, great fans in Edmonton has great support, a uh, historic franchise, and it's disappointing because you know they are one of the Western cities that does that do come out for the games. But why would you come out when you're not scoring any points? <laughs> one bird with a great, uh, great stat in here. The last time the Elks were shut out previous to this year was in 1976. Whoa. Crazy. <laughs> 47 years and then a few weeks apart to the same team. Um, you know what? This is a perfect, perfect uh, lead into a why not question of the day for our friends over at Not Autocorp at Waverly and McGilvery. Will we see a perfect season, everybody? Oh. Is 0 and 18 on the table? Will the Edmonton Elks win a football game this year? Let us know in chat for the why not question of the day today. Um, and as I said, we'll, we'll get, we will talk the Elks. I mean, it, it is somewhat fun to talk about as well. And it is incredible. Um, but we'll also um, get ready for what's going to be a big one. And this is a huge opportunity for the Bombers, Remo, as we've talked about. I mean, you know, getting BC back here at home. On a short week after the Bombers are on a bye, um, there can't be and there won't be any excuses from Winnipeg. But um, I am just so excited about this game on Thursday night to see what the Bombers have for BC. And like since BC was here, all they've done week after week is prove that they are very much for real. With the exception of that crazy game 
against the Argos where Vernon Adams threw those six picks. They have been, I mean, listen, their defense is playing historically well right now. I mean, you just don't see shutouts in the Canadian Football League very often, even against a team like the Edmonton Elks. Um, you know, we saw the Elks put up some points against the Bombers. They haven't been able to do that at all. And this is going to be the test of the season for the Winnipeg Blue Bomber offense, considering the way the defense manhandled them here in the peg. Yeah, is this a Western final preview? And for BC, they just kept rolling last week. Now they were playing Edmonton, who hasn't won. But I think it's exactly what you want to see with Dane Evans, the backup coming in for Vernon Adams, uh, who was hurt a couple weeks ago. Look at this line uh, from Dane Evans. Most importantly, didn't turn over the ball if you're coming in as a backup, throwing 25 of 32, 330 yards and two touchdowns at Taekwon Mizell back uh, running the ball, really able to uh, run the clock out late, 22 carries, 117 yards. And for them, Dominic Rimes, their top receiver, he's kind of been uh, in and out of the lineup, in and off the injury report, didn't play Sunday, but doesn't matter. Uh, you know, they've got a great, you know, we talk about how great the bomber receiving core is all off season, but I think BC's is up there. Keon Hatcher, uh, Lucky Whitehead and Rhymes, but he's over to Alexander Hollins filled in nicely with 94 uh, receiving yards. And we know about, uh, about the defense, how great as we saw it uh, in the first meeting between these two teams, but you'd like to think the bombers they've had a buy. They've had some time to make adjustments. I think they'll be ready for this BC Lions team. And I'm expecting a fantastic game on Thursday night at IG Field. Yeah, well, I mean, it's going to be a hell of a sports week uh, here because uh, we got this massive, massive tilt on Thursday. We've got the Sea Bears playoff game on Friday, uh, and of course, all week long, the uh, World uh, Police and Fire Games going on around, and I saw tons of activity downtown. Lots of people in the restaurants here for the event. So, good luck to everyone uh, that is involved with that, and uh, hopefully, we'll see some great performances from. Uh, you know, on the local scene with all of these events going on, I saw some really good crowds out for the hockey out at the, uh, the uh, Iceplex out there in uh, the Maples earlier this weekend. So there certainly is lots going on, despite not much on the uh, hockey off-season docket, but we will touch on that with Hammer when he jumps on the program a little bit later on. Um, listen, just before we get to Gareth Wheeler... Big thanks to our friends at Modern Man Barbershop. Guys, if you need to look good, you need to head on down to Modern Man. Now with eight locations in Winnipeg, including the newest locations on either Pembina Highway or Plessy Road, Modern Man Barbershops offer a variety of grooming services, including haircuts, beard shaping, shaves, color services, and more. You can book your look and make an appointment by a modernmanbarber.com if you like. Make sure to give them a follow as well on Instagram at Modern Man Barber Shops. Um, big, big sale this weekend over at Aquatech. Uh, of course, Aquatech has uh, the incredible pools, spas, and so much more. Um, if you do are interested in the pool, let them know. They'll uh, you know go to aqua-tech.ca. You can design your own. And uh, you can get on-the-spot pricing from designers as well as financing options that suit you. Of course, they do whole home renovations with thousands of renos as their foundation. But this week, visit them in-store through August 7th for their summer staycation sale. Everything in stock is on sale 
with 10% off literally anything in stock. All at AquaTech. Find out more at aqua-tech.ca. Another great weekend. We got a long weekend coming up. Better stock up on your batteries, folks, for everything that's going to make this summer that much more fun for you. Boats, camper batteries, uh, sea-doos, ATVs, you name it. Manitoba Battery has it. And better yet, they've got it at the best prices in town, beating the pants off the big box stores. And we know your time's precious right now. So does Manitoba Battery. They'll deliver those batteries to you for free anywhere in the city of Winnipeg. Inside the perimeter, of course with a purchase over 60 bucks. It's that simple. Save time, save money, and get the best service in town at Manitoba Battery. ManitobaBattery.com. And, uh, of course, you can give them a call or pop by and see them at 1026 Logan Avenue. And a big cheers to our friends at Canadian Club. Had a couple CC and Gingers on the weekend. Man, that's a great summer drink. You can pick up CC and Ginger pre-mixed in cans. Pretty much everywhere, obviously, Liquor Marts, as well as your local beer store and the entire line of uh, Canada's favorite whiskey, Canadian Club, also available at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts and throughout IG Field on Thursday as the official spirit of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. All right, Joey Slattery on the Sea Bears coming up. Hammer, CFL, Jets talk, Eddie Steele, and what the heck is going on in Edmonton? But unfortunately, we start off the show, well, it's fortunate to have Gareth Wheeler join us. Unfortunate to be talking about Canada getting whooped today and bounced out of the Women's World Cup. Let's bring in Gareth. Gareth, always great to have you on the program, my friend. Although, uh, I was kind of hoping we'd be talking about the round of 16. That was, I mean, listen, I knew, I think we all knew that Canada was in tough, but that was stunning what happened early this morning. It was tough. It's good to be back under these know despite the circumstances uh more sour than sweet let's say um there was some discussion about how canada would fare at this world cup uh they were the, the players were saying they weren't being respected internationally after going on and winning the olympics but uh they laid an absolute egg uh in australia this time around and it's not just that they failed to get out of the group stage uh for the third time in the last five world cups i think it's a lot about how they failed. Uh, look, it's, it's it's difficult. Australia's a great sporting nation. Playing Australia Australia in the final game of the group, where it mattered everything to the host, was always going to be a difficult challenge. But four nil, and, and to be honest with you, it could have been six or seven nil uh, in favor of the Aussies. Uh, it's a significant wake up call to this team, to the program. And really to the country about where the standard is right now within this group. And while the Olympic accomplishment was something else, and historically this team has been very good in the Olympic competition, the World Cup over the last five editions, and that's with, you know, Christine Sinclair in her, in her prime, it just has, hasn't been anywhere good enough. Yeah, um, I mean... I- I guess the expectations were certainly to be playing in the round of 16. I mean, yeah. if anything, it was the first couple games, the tie against Nigeria, that was maybe the surprising result. But when you look at, you know, what's actually taken place, the Nigerians were full marks for uh, the way they came out and played. And, um, you know, Canada, when forced into a must-get-a-result game, um ah, I mean, listen, this one was over early for all intents and purposes, Gareth. It was. It just, you know, 2-0 uh, 
at halftime, you're still thinking, okay, all that Canada needs is a draw in this game. But but they played a little bit naive. They were disconnected. They, they lacked that belief. Like, we saw that belief throughout the Olympic Games. Like, it wasn't pretty. I, I think we need to remember how they went on to win the Olympic gold medal. I mean, they grinded out, went to penalties against Brazil. No goals in, in open play against the U.S. They won 1-0. They were up against it. A Jesse Fleming penalty was what put them there. Another penalty against Sweden in the final before they never really went to penalties to win it. So it, it wasn't picture perfect at that time. And I want to give the city of Winnipeg a shout out because, I mean, one of the big misses in this tournament was a player like Desiree Scott. You know, some a player that would bring that leadership, be able to do the dirty work, uh, do the be, be really the unsung hero in this team. They had no like-for-like like replacement in that area. When it comes down to it, sometimes you just, you just need more guts than your opponent. That's what Des Scott brought to the table each and every time. And then this team, it's, it looked like they cowered um, when the occasion got too big for them in this tournament, whether it be Sinclair taking a penalty in the first game. She looks so nervous. We know that she doesn't like taking them to begin with. These high-pressure moments, like they didn't really rise to the challenge, did they? They scored two goals in three games at this World Cup. Uh, one of them was a good goal by Adriana Leon, who's been the most consistent goal scorer for Bev Priestman. And the other was an own goal. That's it. And, and they called it the group of death. I always thought it was a group of life because none of these teams are world beaters. You weren't playing like a Germany or United States in the group. The opportunity was there for Canada. And they, I think they're gonna, when they look back on this, they're going to come home kicking themselves. It should have been so much more. Gareth, speaking of Christine Sinclair, she has been an iconic figure in soccer in this nation for a number of years. We saw her picking up a few blades of grass afterwards. I think it's safe to say that this is probably it for her World Cup career. Will she still, do you think, be a part of the Canadian women's national team over the next couple of years? Or are we seeing the end of a legend right now? Well, we're seeing a legendary career come to an end before our eyes in a in a difficult way. Coming off after 45 minutes in a you know in a game that you need two goals in the second half, it's yep. not the way that she envisioned it. I, I didn't really understand when Bev Priestman said that heading into the tournament that Christine Sinclair was in the best shape of her life. It's just it was patently not true. <laughs> she, she's 40 years of age, and the one thing that we know is father time always wins. And she's slowed down a couple paces in recent years. She's only scored four goals for Canada in her last 30 games uh, of her country. Anyone that watches this team, she's no longer a 90-minute player anymore. It was interesting to me that she would start this game rather than potentially coming off the bench and being a difference maker like she was in the second game against Ireland. Does she stick around? Well, we have a very quick turnaround to the Olympic Games, which are next summer once again um, in Paris, France. Um, I think that Christine will do her best to be part of that group. She's still one of the best 23 players in this country. Based upon the players that Bev Priestman didn't play at this tournament, I think you can make the case that she is. There's two qualifiers for that tournament upcoming uh, in just about a month and a half's time against Jamaica, a home and away. Uh, that will give a good indication whether she sees part uh, of, of she sees herself as being part of this team for this next phase. But by virtue of the fact that it's a quick turnaround, Olympic participation, um, I, I, I don't think that that has been ruled out. I think that she probably sees herself being part of that cycle, and then probably it would come to an end. 
uh, um, Gareth, moving forward, um, you know, I think it's clear that, you know, there is a changing of a guard, and it's happening. I mean, Christine, of course, Desiree, um, Sophie Schmidt, I understand, is, uh, you know, is kind of be calling it up. Uh, moving forward for this team that over the last years has done so many special things for our country, what who, who are the core um, – the flag bearers, if you will, um, the, the 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 key players that will form the core of this team now that the legendary names are going to be moving on. Yeah, um, Jesse Fleming for me is 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 the best player from London, Ontario. She plays with Chelsea in the Women's Super League. Um, she's really the straw that stirs the drink for this team. She makes them tick. She's great on the ball. She can drive this team forward, do so many things. She, she's a set piece taker. Uh, she wasn't fully fit in this tournament. She battled a calf injury, didn't play in the first game against Nigeria. If she did, she would have taken that penalty that Christine missed and probably scored because that's what Jesse Fleming does. The thing is, she doesn't start regularly for her club team. And this is a story Kadisha Buchanan joined her at Chelsea. She wasn't a regular starter. Ashley Lawrence, another player who's just moved to Chelsea. We'll see how she how much she plays. These key players, and those are three of them right there, they need to play regular football with the best team that they can possibly play for. And if they're not getting regular football at their club, they need to find a club that they can get regular football. So it's not just all about the domestic game here. It's about their roles within their club teams as well. But Lawrence and Fleming, are, for me, are the, the, the two most talented players in that team. And there's a new crop of young players coming through. Olivia Smith is one of them. Uh, there's some players that bring promise in the future. But this is going to be a sweeping change of the guard. Um, this team has become a little bit long in the tooth. They are in need of some new voices. There are some good players coming in. But I think some patience is going to have to be preached. Like, there's no ready-made Christine Sinclair walking through the door who changed, really, Canadian women's soccer overnight in 2003. Uh, I don't see there being a player like that. But there's a group of solid players. They're going to have to develop together and be able to try to you know, keep up with some emerging footballing nations in the women's game. The rest of the world is getting better. And uh, I think Canada needs to make progressive changes in order to keep the pace. Uh, Gareth, how much heat will Bev Priestman be uh, under for the performance of her club? Uh, I, I think that she's right in the, in the spotlight. I will say this about Bev Priestman. She didn't get much wrong in Tokyo, if anything at all. I think she was one of the main reasons that Canada went on to win that gold medal. But this wasn't her best tournament, bringing injured players into the side or team selection, the way that they were set up. Um, she's also the one who decided what friendlies they would play in, how their budget would be used, and did they play enough games going into this tournament? I, I'm not sure. Did they play the right games? Was it the right setup? I don't know. Not very many coaches in World Cups, either men's or women's, lose a game like this, especially as Olympic champions get played off the field 4-0, and they're able to keep their job. Uh, so what does Canada soccer do? D do they stick with a, with a manager who we all think is really good, um, who, who has a resume of being an Olympic champion, or do you look at this tournament and say, you know what, maybe we need a different voice to take this program forward? Because of that quick turnaround from the Olympics, that decision needs to be made soon, and there's plenty on the plates of the people at Canada soccer right now the on-field stuff has to be a priority. That matters more than anything else. I think there's a decision to be made there. Um, I, honestly, I think it's 50-50. You, you can make the argument either way, but managers typically don't survive losses like this at a World Cup. 
Uh, Gareth Wheeler's with us from One Soccer. Gareth, you um, you mentioned on the field. There's been a lot of noise off the field around. I mean, soccer in Canada in general at the national level, both with the men's and the women's cl- uh, team. Um, I, I'm not sure how much this has to do with getting whooped today by Australia, but I do wonder um, what is the path forward? What needs to happen? Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of casual fans that have heard more negative stuff about everything going on around our two very successful teams in the past year than anything good that's happened on the pitch. Yeah, that's- Accurate statement. <laughs> and it's funny, I tell people, I just don't think that Canada soccer has ever been in a better place. And people look at me like, Wheeler, what's wrong with you? <laughs> because there's there's more opportunity than there's ever been before. And there's ways to take this forward as finally corporate sponsors have jumped on board uh, and want and have the desire to, to, to push both these teams and, and programs below, both professional and otherwise, forward in this country. Where do we go from here? Well... A CBA needs to be signed in order to um, take some of this noise away. And it's difficult. Um, The United States Soccer Federation signed a landmark deal which assured pay equity between the men's and the women's programs um, and programmatic equity. So every dollar spent on the women, you'll spend it on the men as well. Uh, It took them six years to get there and multiple lawsuits. And in the end, It took a new voice in charge, and it took the men's side making concessions in order to get a deal across the line. There's a lot of finger-pointing here, but when it gets down to it, a CBA and how it's negotiated and how it's agreed upon are going to take three parties for the first time in Canada soccer history. It's going to take the women, the men, and the Canadian Soccer Association all being on the same page. That is not the case here. It's it's not even close. an offer was on the table last summer that if the, both the men's and women's teams failed to get out of the group, which both teams have failed here, each player would have been paid $138,000. Um, I'll tell you what, the offer that's currently on the table is far less than that, and we'll see what that number is, what they actually walk away from. But um, the men's team, they need to be convinced that is worthwhile in order to pursue this pay equity, not just in terms of what they get paid in games, but sharing prize pools as well. The Men's World Cup has a significantly higher, you know, prize pool than the Women's World Cup. And some will say, why? Well, why the Men's World Cup made $7.5 billion worth of revenue in Qatar. And this is the first um, self-sufficient Women's World Cup that there's ever been in the history uh, of the women's game. They're just a miles, miles apart in terms of salaries in the men's professional game and what that means for the pathways to international football and world cups and where it is in the women's game right now you know um and for for this to order to be accomplished then these teams need to come together uh, with the canadian soccer association and figure out the terms that are best um, for both programs the youth programs and everyone involved yes the csa the canadian soccer association needs to do more yes they need to grow they need to become more, more robust they need to find new ways better ways to make more revenue you know make the financials more flush for the association but they need to work hand in hand with the association and what we've seen is a complete mistrust between all parties involved the men have never had a CBA before. They never had a union. It's just most recently formed. So now you have lawyers on both sides trying to negotiate a CBA between three parties. It's very difficult. Again, it took the United States six years to accomplish this. And oh, by the way, the U.S. Soccer Federation lost $27 million because of it last season. So 
or last year, in the last calendar year. So it's a long road here. I'm not sure who's going to have to give up something in order for something in order for something to be achieved here, but it doesn't seem like we're any closer under the new leadership within the Canadian Soccer Association for that being a reality. Who is the person that is going to bring everybody together and get this done? Um, like, And is that person already there with Canada Soccer, or is it somebody else? I honestly don't know. I, I don't know. Um, Charmaine Crooks, I mean is a decorated Canadian Olympian. She's worked at every executive level um, in terms of international sports and sport in this country. And at the AGM where she was trying to be reelected, there was a campaign to see her not be named the, 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 the president of Canada soccer. And I, I think there's personality conflicts. I think there's politicking. I think that people are looking to find people that will be on their side in terms of other ambition, whether it be Project 8, starting a women's league in this country, whether it be the way that the national teams are run, the provincial associations, they all have interests here. There's a lot of self-interest in politicking being played here. And this is nothing new to Canadian soccer. So who is that peace broker? Who is that power pro broker that can bridge the gap? Well, right now, Jason DeVos seems like the right the right individual to, 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 to be general secretary, run the you know, the day-to-day -day operations of Canada soccer because he's an assistant, a former assistant coach with the women's national team and a former assistant coach with the men's national team. But with the men's national team releasing a statement last week that said that Canada soccer is now leveraging the Women's World Cup to force them into a bad deal, that doesn't sound like they're on the same page here. So we can throw candidates that we all believe could maybe bring people together, but there's no evidence that that person is right there in front of us right now. I mean, Nick Bontis, the former president, uh, you know, I know he, 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 uh, there was plenty of personal attacks on him, but this guy's a PhD in like finance. Like this is a guy who is a numbers business guy uh, who's had a longstanding relationship within the Canadian soccer community and he was vilified and he was forced out of his role at the association. So you can throw out a number of names and people, but I, when lawyers are involved, when there's personality conflict, when there's dueling ambitions in terms of where you want to see the game go in this country, I don't think there's any easy answer. Gareth Wheeler, um, before we go, and again, we're kind of talking about what happened to Canada and where we go forward. Um, there's still going to be 16 teams. I mean, uh, who do you like to uh, maybe be holding the trophy at the end of uh, it all down uh, in New Zealand and in Australia? I don't want to say the United States because they've won the last two and they've been three of the in all three of the last finals. So I'm not going to say them. Okay, I'm not going to say the United States. Despite losing to Colombia last game, I like Germany heading into this competition. They're a tournament team. Uh, they have some top top players in that group. I, I wouldn't sleep on them. Japan has been excellent in the early stages of this competition. Uh, they, they've, they've won a World Cup they in their history. They raced Spain last night. That was... <laughs> with with 23% possession of the ball. Um, that, that makes possession one of the most useless stats in the game. But they have a more difficult path by virtue of, of winning their group. Uh, I think that they're in it. And don't sleep on the English. I mean, they, they, they won the European Championship last year. They have three or four significant injuries in the team. But the depth of player that they have... Um, is excellent. Uh, they're going to be among the favorites as well. So let's take England or Germany, just so I don't have to say the United States this time around. Gareth, thanks so much for doing this. Always great to catch up. Be well and enjoy the rest of the summer.
You guys are doing an awesome job. Shout out to the people of Winnipeg. I've tried to back Valor all season long. I'm hoping for a late season run that they can make things interesting here at the tail end of the CPL season. Let's fingers crossed on that one. Good stuff. Thanks again. Cheers, guys. All right, great stuff with Gareth Wheeler. Appreciate him coming on. And now going to talk some Sea Bears before Hammer and Eddie Steele jump on for a little NHL and a CFL talk. Um, hey, a big shout-out to our friends over at Vita Health Fresh Market. If you're looking for great prices on natural and organic supplements, beauty products, and groceries, and, of course, Winnipeg's largest assortment of local products, too, Vita, Vita Health is the spot. Um, barbecue season's in full swing. And Vita Health has amazing grass-fed bison and beef steaks for the grill. And you can wash those down with some Sober Carpenter beer or Zevia sodas. And uh, hey, maybe you're doing some day trips, jumping out to the uh, the, the lake. You want to do a delicious, healthy grab-and-go lunch. They got them at Vita Health as well. Uh, delivered fresh twice a week. And this month, get a free sap sucker drink with any Vita Market sandwich or wrap. Vita Health Fresh Market, empowering people to lead healthy lives. Six Winnipeg locations and online at myvita.ca. Uh, you know, our friends at Wallace & Wallace are busy this summer, as you can imagine. They've been Winnipeg's fencing and overhead door specialist since 1946. If you need the um, security and protection of a new fence, it pretty much got every kind you could need, vinyl, ornamental, welded wire, chain link, or wood. And if it's time to replace your garage door, they've got Winnipeg's largest selection of overhead garage doors. Give them a buzz at 452-2700. The Wallace & Wallace team will arrange a time to come out and give you a free estimate. You can also visit them at wallacefences.com or pop down to their showroom on Lawson Road off of Keniston. Uh, we've got a pretty well-dressed individual coming up in just a moment, but if you need to step up your menswear game and get that closet looking better, you got to get on down to F Apparel. Custom suits beginning at 400 bucks, along with chinos, golf pants, custom shirts, both tucked and untucked styles, and an incredible selection of menswear accessories. Guys, if you're in a wedding party, talk to the guys at F about getting a 15% discount for everybody in the wedding party for suits for the big day. You won't be returning them the, uh, the Monday afterwards. You'll be able to take those out and uh, wear them through, uh, throughout the, uh, the, the following year. Um, 190 Smith Street is where F is. You can make an appointment or check them out online online at F. That's EPHapparel.com. And, of course, Remo had the big birthday party for Evan yesterday, four years old. Shout out to Evan. And uh, nothing makes that party better than an ice cream or blizzard cake from DQ. They had the Hot Wheels version. And that Nick and Nicky can pretty much uh, customize any sort of cake, whatever you want on it. Hit them up at DQ Manitoba for that. Send them a picture. They'll get it done however you want. And quick and easy pickup. And while you're there, you can grab a blizzard or two with those great new summer blizzard flavors at the DQ Northgate, DQ Polo Park, DQ St. Anne's, or DQ Niverville. Well, Seabear's regular season is in the books Big playoff game coming up at Canada Life Centre on Friday. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome in CTV Sports' Joey Slattery, who many of you have seen regaling us on the sidelines at Canada Life Centre covering the Seabears. Seabears fans should also check out their podcast and YouTube show Target Score with Taylor Allen from the Winnipeg Free Press. Joey Slats, what is going on, man? It's great to have you on WST. How are you? Hi, I'm great. How are you, man? It's great to be on the show. 
Uh, I am uh, I am well. Well, I'm a little bummed. I uh, I PVR the soccer game. I knew there was no way I'd be getting up at 5 a.m. Managed to not look at my phone. Got up, turned it on, and uh, oh man, it was a real dud. So I'm upset that you know, we won't be following our Canadian women's team anymore. But I'll tell you what, I have been on a high, as I think anyone with a stake in sports in this city, and especially basketball, has been throughout this magical first season of Seabears basketball. Now, the game itself, as far as the result, did not go as hoped for the Winnipeg side on Saturday night. But my God, what a crowd. And let me just first ask you about your experience working on the sidelines in that atmosphere all season long for such an absolute Grand Slam home run of a first season in the stands and in the community that the Seabears have had. It's been the coolest experience in my career, probably, Huss. I mean, I've done a lot of cool things in my career. And, you know, I've, I've moved and lived all around Canada doing some cool stuff. But... Uh, I think the biggest thing is just kind of the surprise factor. We knew that there was a basketball community here and there was a hunger for pro basketball. You saw a lot of the Thunder hats. You still see them out there. And I own a Thunder t-shirt. Uh, you know, I wasn't even here for the Thunder days. But, you know, there was the the nostalgia of basketball. So you knew it was going to be there. I don't think anybody, including the brass at the Seabears, were quite sure that it was going to be this well-received. Uh, the energy in that building is something else. I mean, the fact that, you know, when we're in the press box and you know this at a Jets game, you know, we're kind of up above the first level. So, you you know, when it's loud, whiteouts and stuff like that, you feel it. But with 8000 people all coming down at you right from the floor level, like you really get an idea of what the players are feeling in that kind of environment. And it is ruckus. And you know what? I give credit, full credit to the fans that have just embraced this and are, you know, immersed themselves in the experience. Right. Like the people on the sideline are into it, man. They're taking full opportunity to chirp the other team, to talk to the players, getting fives from the players. It's a sport unlike any other because you're just so close to the action. You're part of the action. And, uh, like, props to Winnipeg. I mean, visiting players have noticed this, too. They love coming here. They love getting booed. They love getting chirped. It's a hard place to play in. Um, I Almost every post-game interview, there haven't been a ton because Winnipeg's won a lot of games. But at the post-game interview, when you're interviewing the player of the game on the winning team, every single visiting player that I've interviewed first thing they say is hats off to Winnipeg for this this environment, especially in year one. I think there was probably some belief that it would get to this point. I don't know if it was supposed to get here that fast, but, uh, man, there, there was a hunger here, and it's been filled in a big way. Well, you know what's been uh, amazing to, to watch? I mean, listen, I was really bullish on this, and I came on the program after the home opener and said, listen, this is going to be work big time in the city. And, and I, did, I did say it. I said – Watch this. The Seabirds are going to average more than 4,400, which was the previous high crowd of all time in this league. What I kind of didn't expect, though, you know, we saw the first game was huge. The next games were obviously a little bit smaller. But how, and I think this is basically word of mouth, people seeing or talking to friends that had such great experience. I mean, the last few games, it's been going up and up and up and you know, they expanded the building on Saturday. They sold it out days in advance. And I imagine that Friday night at Canada Life Centre, knowing that this is the final chance this season to see the Sea Bears, we could be looking at another monster crowd. Um, 
it's almost too bad that the season is so short because the momentum right. that this team has in the community right now is, um, is, is something special. And hopefully it all culminates with a great crowd and a very important win, which we'll get to in a minute when it comes to the playoffs on Friday. Yeah, well, the trajectory, as you say, right? Like, it's going up and up. It's just a matter of time before they open up that upper deck. And, you know, when that happens, because the leagues that they played before, from my understanding, they were not Canadian, right? Like, you had teams from all over the place. This is a full Canadian league. This is essentially the CFL of basketball, right? Like, the season's offset from the NBA. A lot of NBA guys or bubble NBA guys coming here to get the extra work in. Uh, you know, it's it's big time. But I don't know if there was ever a belief basketball's picked up a lot of momentum in the last like i don't know 20 years 30 years whatever it's been like it's been in a constant climb but to see a game between two canadian teams made up mostly of canadian players and you're gonna you might see 10,000 people at one point like i don't think that's a far-fetched to say that, that they're gonna hit that if not friday next year at some point uh it's gonna be something because this is you know you talk to these players that have played around the world um you know on the podcast actually on target square weekly we had chad posthumous the other day and, you know, he was saying in some of the Japanese leagues, Division One, they'll get like 15,000 people. But the way he described it is, you know, you have 15,000 people going, you know, when they score, just little claps. He's like, you don't get that ruckusness. And he said, you know, when you have a few Canadians, Winnipeggers in particular, the passion of sports and then maybe a couple beers in you as well, <laughs> you know, the passion comes out and they're noticing this. I think this is going to be a place that players are going to want to play in their offseason because you have two options, right, with basketball. Well, any sport really, but with basketball, there's been no real good summer league other than the NBA summer league to play. So you're either training or you're competing. And, uh, you know, Georgie B from uh, Vancouver, don't have to say his last name because I'm going to mess it up and everybody knows him as Georgie B anyway. Uh, but this guy's played with the Nuggets. He's trained with Jokic, or Jokic and he's had some pretty good experience. And that was the way he put it. That really struck a chord with me is you can train or you can compete. And he said, there's nothing like competing to train for the next level. And I think with the crowds that are coming out, not just here, Edmonton's selling out almost regularly um, at the Flair Airlines hangar, which is at the old or at the Expo Center rather. And uh, Calgary at the Windsport Arena, like they're selling out. And I'm wondering how many teams are looking at this success in Winnipeg saying, hey, maybe we got to get downtown to the NHL arena too. Because I look at an Edmonton market, for instance, I think they're at a point now, they hit capacity. We don't know what their ceiling is, right? We're still figuring out Winnipeg's. They've hit their ceiling because it's glass and it's set. Now, if you break out of there, go to Rogers Place, which I think they're planning to do next season for a couple of games. You might see this passion grow right across the city. And I'll tell you this, Hustler, there's no place that supports sports teams like Winnipeg. And even extending beyond that, the Prairies in general are the ones that set the tone for these leagues. And, uh, you know, props to all the teams. I know Saskatchewan's been struggling a little bit, which I thought was kind of strange considering their lacrosse team does so well. But, you know, taking the exclusion there from Saskatchewan, who had a decent turnout for their last game, uh, this, you know, led by Winnipeg, has been an unbelievable turnout for the CEBL. They have to be happy with how things are going in year five. Oh, listen, I think they're over the moon. We talked to Mike Morreale, and, I mean, they were optimistic, but I don't I, – even – even the most optimistic person, I'm not sure could have imagined just how well this team would be supported. And I'm with you. Not I mean, a chance. To me, the game changer was when David Asper was able to cut a deal and get this team into the rink downtown. It makes everything that much more big league. It allows them to do so much more with the production of it. And that has made the game experience what it has been so far. There's one more game experience, and that is yep. on Friday. And, you know, it was unfortunate that the team lost on the weekend because they would have skipped Friday and gone right to a home game on Saturday. But nothing comes easy. Um, no. and, and I guess this is going to be a rematch of Saturday's game, right? 
Yeah, it's a rematch with Edmonton, and it's kind of the worst case scenario for a, I mean, a pretty good scenario overall, right? I mean, this team was at the top of the standings all season. Uh, just to come up to the last game, lose to fall in the second. Now, the reason why, though, Hustler, is that Edmonton plays really well here for whatever reason, right? I don't know if it's the crowd that gives them a boost, but they've won both their games here. The first game was a bit of a blowout. This one was a little bit closer, but Edmonton likes playing here. We've learned that. The other problem is, is if they do win this game, they have to go to Calgary where they've never won either. They've lost two games in Calgary. So this is a really, really tough, uh, tough road here for Winnipeg. And it's, you have Jelani Watson Gale coming in, who's the sixth man of the year, but I think you take away the Canadian rule. Uh, he'd be a starting point guard for sure. I mean, that guy is phenomenal. Uh, so you get the boost there. But uh, as I said on, as I report on Twitter this morning, and I think the Seabears might've released a statement on it since EJ Anasike, second leading scorer of the team, no longer with the team. Now, this guy has been, uh, you know, a workhorse for this team in terms of, you know, he's the second leading scorer, but the guy eats up 30 minutes a game, like 30 quality minutes. Uh, he was averaging 18, like eight, just over 18 points a game. And it's a, that is a true average. Like he gives you 15 to 20 points every single night. Uh, and he's a big body. He can, he's a stretch four, right? He can play inside. He's a strong body, but he can step outside to shoot beyond three. Uh, so now... Without him, there's a lot more pressure on Teddy Allen as well. And, like, how much more can he take? I mean, this guy, I think he has to be a shoo for the MVP. It's going to be a very tight race if he's not. Um, but this guy's carried this team. He's set records and three points made and and points overall. And this, this season alone, he set two records. He's on fire. But the thing is, is, you know, if you're depending on this guy to score 60 in this league, that's just, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but it's the way the, the structure is with target score. It's really tough. And teams know you know, zero win on Teddy and play your luck with everybody else. Right. It was usually Teddy and make sure you got someone on Anasike and we'll let everything else fall as they may, but it's going to be tough, man. Edmonton came in. That is a complete team. I think they had like five guys or six guys in double figures. Like they're a balanced scoring team. Brody Clark owned them, uh, you know, for lack of a better term on, on, um, on the weekend uh, for Edmonton. And, you know, but he's not the only guy. So it's not like you can zero in on him and hope like, yeah, we'll try our luck with everybody else. They're a very complete team that they, and they're hungry too, right? They lost two straight coming into this one. Now they're, they've got some momentum in a couple of ways. They've got the win going into the playoffs and they have the record coming into this particular building that just six days earlier, they pulled out a big win against a, a team that, you know, had its two top scorers on the roster. So this is going to be a tough one, man. Like there's, there's been some disappointments with this team and we can get into that in a little bit if you like, but the uh, yeah, this is going to be a tough one for, for Winnipeg. And I think the, the fan factor might play a huge factor in this one because that, uh, you know, you get that six man push, so to speak might go a long way on, on Friday. Well, yeah. I mean, Hey, it's all, all hands on deck. And I mean, the crowd was awesome on Saturday night. I mean, there really is a lot on the line on Friday. So you know, hopefully the place will be packed and it'll be, uh, you know, as wild as it's been all season long. Without EJ in the lineup, who's the guy that, you know, uh, Mike Taylor's going to kind of lean on to step up on Friday? Well, you know, like Simon Hildebrand's been getting a lot of minutes and it, like he's had an incredible season, all things considered. Complete you know, I mean, BS ejection on Saturday, by the way. Totally, you know, <laughs> like, totally, what? you know. Post game, Mike Taylor said the first one, sure, you know, and they they talked to him. There was a grab of the jersey. The second one, I think a lot of people would be, you know, take take issue with that, and understandably so. Uh, but a learning experience too, right? He's up against a veteran. That was just a sold call. Like you have to be careful. And these are the things that Simon is learning in this league, right? He only has one year of U Sports under his belt. 
Like we kind of forget that, right? He's under the spotlight as the Winnipegger playing for the local team, but this guy's going into his second year university and he's playing pro. Like it's insane, right? So even then he needs to step up. I don't want to add any, any more pressure on the kid, but yeah, he needs to have a, one of his good games. He doesn't have to take over, but he has to have one of the games like he had before where he's dropping 15 points or, you know, cashing in a couple of threes to make that difference. But the big guys inside, you know, Mike Taylor plays the analytics and, you know, Chad Poshimus had less than five minutes, you know, playing last, uh, last game because it was a smaller lineup, but you know what? They were dominated in the, in the paint in the first time. I think it was like 26 to 10 might've been the, uh, the points in the paint or, yeah, 2610 or something like that. It was it was pretty lopsided. I'd evened out as the game went on, but their inside presence didn't come about until the second half. And Shane Osiande uh, had a great game defensively. You know, he had five blocks and he had a nice putback offensively. But now does the load fall on him? Do you have bring up Chad's minutes? Because, you know, you need a presence in there. That's the one thing we noticed is this team, they were... It was the point points in the paint in the first half, and the second half it was the fast break points. So defensively, I think it's just a team unit. They have to communicate better and have that man back because there's a lot of easy bunnies, as they say, for Edmonton last game. That was the difference, right? I think I had it written down here somewhere. Yeah, 24-10 fast break points alone for Edmonton. Like those are gimmies in this league. And that's something that they have to, to tighten up. That said, I mean Throughout the year, they've responded well to losses. Um, you know, they, I think they've only lost, if they did, it's only once they lost back-to-back games. So historically speaking, they tend to respond. But EJ, beyond him being a guy on the court to depend on, he's also one of the leaders in the locker room, right? He's the voice of reason. He's been the guy to say, hey, we're not going to win all these games. You know, we're going to lose some here and there. We just got to go to the next one. But now he's lost. So who even steps up in a leadership role, you know, to join Chad and Teddy, uh, to kind of take over that that game. But the big one, though, I think is, you know, even replacing EJ, just having Jelani back is huge. Uh, if you have Jelani in there and he puts in, you know, 20, 25 minutes and can put up, you know, he's shooting almost 50% from three-point land. If AJ Hess can hit a three anytime soon, that would be awesome as well. You know, he's had a he's struggled this season. A guy that came in as a, a three-point shooter was his, his scouting report. And, you know, he's had great stats throughout his career. He's 29% from three-point land this year. Uh, that doesn't help the Seabears either. Which still so. amazes me, to be honest with you, because, like, sometimes when he's shooting the ball, it's like the ball never gets above the rim. It I mean, seems flat. <laughs> it's yeah. like a straight line into it. Now, he did kind of get a couple afterwards after a tough start. But you're right. Jelani, I mean, just from a fan's perspective – he very quickly became like my favorite guy to watch. I mean, this small little guy running all over the place, the energy that he brings. Um, to have him back will be a real nice, um, you know, a, a real nice addition to the roster considering uh, it's all hands on deck for uh, for Friday night. Joey Slattery is with us. Joey, before we go in Remo, by the way, if you can, bring up this pick. You know, credit where credit is due. <laughs> We often talked about Ted Wyman's drip when he would come on the program. Check out these kicks that Joey's got on right now. The beautiful <laughs> blue and white Nike dunks looking like a million U.S. tax free along with the, uh, the, rest of the, uh, the rest of the gang. Just wanted to give you some very well-deserved credit for that amazing outfit on the weekend, Joey. But um, fill people in. I know this is a weekend where... Uh, there might be some people, uh, people still every day are learning more about this team. But if you're going to the game and you want a good backgrounder on what we are going into on Friday, the podcast target score with Taylor Allen's uh, a great place to do that. Fill people in on where they can find out more about the Seabears and what you guys are doing. 
Yeah, Target Score Weekly is the podcast. It's available pretty much everywhere, you know, Spotify, iTunes, whatever. Uh, and it's also on YouTube. We debuted on YouTube last week. So there is a video portion too if you're sitting at home and you want to watch our uh, our beautiful faces discuss Seabears basketball. We'll give you that. But yeah, it's uh, every week we put out an episode uh, going over the week that was and the look ahead. We have uh, have some players on for interviews and stuff like that. But it does give you a bit of a background. There's, uh, I think we're five episodes deep going on six. Uh, so, you know, give those a listen. They're all under an hour except for maybe one. So you can get the, uh, you know, where this season has gone from midseason to, to this point. Um, and yeah, send us the line, man. Like Joey Slattery CTV is on that. It's my handle on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, send us a message. We're always looking for the feedback and stuff like that. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a ton of fun. Taylor's been great. Uh, you know, another basketball head like myself, you know, it's kind of nice again to have professional basketball and be able to talk about it and not have to live in Toronto or the States or anything like that. We've got our team here. We've got our pro team and it's been an absolute blast to cover the team and target score weekly has just been a, a fun project we've taken on and yeah, everybody's welcome. Come on aboard. Hey, enjoy that uh, one final game and uh, great job all season long. It's been great seeing you there. Uh, it's been way too long before you came on. Let's do this again very soon. Have a great one and enjoy the game Friday night, Joe. All right, same to you. Thanks for having me on, Hus. It was a pleasure. Good stuff. There's Joey Slattery. You can check him out on CTV Sports and make sure to give him a follow on Twitter at Joey Slattery CTV. All right, it's Hammer time. Jeff Hamilton coming up just before we bring in Hammer. Uh, we will be doing a little bit of CFL talk and get his thoughts on the latest on the Winnipeg Jets offseason. Bombers, Lions, Thursday night. You know where to be two hours before the game. That's the Princess Auto tailgate zone. 350 popping hot dogs, $5 beers. Finesse will be spinning. It is the place to be before all Winnipeg Blue Bomber games. And, of course, the Princess Auto team will be hosting everybody there as well. Princess Auto, great sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, two locations in Winnipeg, Panet Road, Portage Avenue West, and you can always shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And I got to give a shout, speaking of the Bombers, to a big Bomber fan, well, a lot of them in the consolidated supply uh, spot. Guys will be working hard to get done early to get down there for the big game on Friday because Princess or uh, consolidated supply has a... Uh, a ton of Bomber fans there, but they're also very busy right now because they're the leaders in irrigation systems, artificial turf, golf carts, and other great uh, options for your property, including hot tubs and amazing outdoor kitchen options. And of course, small engine parts and repair. Consolidated Supply can help you in so many different ways. Pop by and see them at the showroom, open to the public, 1395 Niagara Road East, or find out more online at cte.ca. Um, our friends at Royal Sports, ready for the upcoming NFL season. Uh, new gear coming in on a daily basis. So if you want to get ready to rep your favorite team in the newest gear, get on down to Royal Sports. Tons of World Cup stuff as well. Soccer gear, of course, bombers. If you need some blue maybe in new jersey for the game on the weekend or on thursday night they've got you covered it's all there at royal not to mention soccer baseball softball tennis winnipeg's largest hockey selection and a huge selection of bikes 750 pembina highway follow them on instagram at royal sports pembina and uh hey just before we bring in hammer a big shout out to our friends at boston pizza after the sea bears game on saturday went over to city place Popped up at the bar. There is no better place to watch UFC 
than Boston Pizza. No doubt about that. Had a couple cold ones, had some great wings, saw the awesome fights. Um, and listen, it is your home for UFC, but we've got Blue Jays tonight, CFL on the weekend. No better place to get together with the gang for the big game than your local Boston Pizza. All right, let's bring in Jeff Hamilton from the Winnipeg Free Press. Hammer, what's going on, man? How are you? Us, not too bad. Just I uh, was listening to the last bit of the show there with Joey. Love the uh, Target Score weekly podcast. Been a regular listener, so I'll definitely uh, double down on that. Go take a check. Check that out if you, even if you aren't a Sea Bears fan um, or don't know much about the team. That's uh, all you really need to do your homework with. So, uh, but yeah, just wrapping up here at Bombers, day two of practice ahead of uh, what should be a really uh, good game, I imagine, on Thursday, and certainly an important one for the Bombers' pursuit of finishing top uh, top spot in the West. Yeah, listen, um, you know, we'll get to the Bombers in the CFL in just a second. Um, you know, Actually, I, know we... I think we need to talk about something else quick, Huss, yeah. I, before I forget. Okay. Um, the, the Ted Wyman drip. So I'm wondering if the Jason Mraz hat has just detoured the eyes from the selection of beer T-shirts that that my good friend Teddy re- recycles day to day to day. So Ted's, I, I, Ted's uh, number I, I one, love that. Ted's number one uh, look was when he was wearing the hat, but the shirt it was like it was in, in some, last summer, and it almost looked like a tiger print. If you recall nice. the one that they were talking about. It was, anyways. It was amazing. Yeah, he wasn't wearing like an OV shirt or. Uh, it wasn't a trans uh, extra old Lake stock. of the Woods, a yeah. Lake of the Woods brewery. <laughs> well, I'll give him, a, hey, give him a little more credit here. This is this is let you know. I, yeah, I took a shot is. there, here but it at is. least it's it's his favorite beer. Oh, <laughs> right off the dance floor. Yeah, and I love I, how the pattern goes straight to his his beautiful face. So it's just you know how how can you? Uh, you but know I what? definitely I, nailed the Jason Mraz. Uh, Jason hat. I'm looking at this. That might be a Lake of the Woods beer shirt. I, it, I think it's. Uh, I can only see the top. It of says the logo Lake of the Woods. Says, yeah, of the woods. So, <laughs> so wow, you, you, <laughs> you maybe did nail that. Like <laughs> right out of the park. Very, awesome. very, awesome. very well done. Nah, it looks good. It looks good. Anyway, sorry to interrupt. Um, no worries. But just before we get to CFL, um, you know when we were talking last week, just kind of the latest on the Jet off season. You sort of thought that this was a week, this past week was a week that you know, we might get a little bit more clarity or things could happen. I guess I'll just ask you, is there anything new or are we just simply still looking ahead to next season, barring any sort of reporting that maybe there's a little bit of action on certain trade funds involving uh, the, uh, the usual suspects? Yeah, absolutely. So when I was doing that countdown last week, I was thinking of August, but I was thinking kind of before the August long weekend. So I would add that this week would be another important week. And I'm not, and I've always prefaced it by saying it's not impossible to trade a guy in in August. It's just at this point in time, since the trade, you know, since the draft, since the free agency opened, all those things, I mean, the, the, the Jets should have their price by now or their offers by now. And unless there's a late, you know, teams don't really dive into late August, mid-August to, to make trades. They want to get a player in their building. They want to get them, you know, just kind of used to the organization surrounding and not have a whirlwind. I, you know, you look at the guys that came to the Winnipeg Jets and I follow and, and uh, you know, guard, it's like, it's like, you, you don't really know you're stunned, you're shocked. And it's easy to kind of go through, it's easy to go through, you know, it's easy to go through a 
summer and deal with it. It's very hard to go for two weeks. All of a sudden you're making travel plans. So my point is, is that this week and next week, or sorry, this week and last week I th- are two very important weeks. And I mean, I think from what I'm hearing and just, the, you know, the feeling around the team is it looks like Connor Hellebuck is still being discussed. I don't, you know, I'm, I imagine the Jets are still open to to trading Mark Shifley, but I'll go back to my other original, original point is that if the price is not there, if the return is not there, then, you know, why would you take it? And regardless of what you could get, I mean, you still have another full season of these two guys. You, you know, you're retooling, you're set on pushing for a playoff spot. You have, and I don't know how much the Jets listen to the outside noise. I know they do a little bit, but like you have articles being written about the Jets, putting them anywhere between finishing and, you know, from people who crunch the numbers and all those other things or whatever the formulas they come up with, they have the Jets anywhere from first place in the central to not making the playoffs. And you know, the Jets are pretty comfortable um, you know, with the team that they have. And, and I do think, you know, call it the Mark Chipman effect, call it the bottom line, whatever. I mean, this team needs to have a good season under its belt. It needs to have, you know, get some of those good vibes in. And, and the roster they have right now, I mean, you know, fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, you know, shame on me. But it looks pretty decent. Um, you know, it has some of the things that, you know, that you would want, you know, that you would need to not only make the playoffs, but push towards a playoff spot. And I mean, obviously there's the arguments against Mark Shifley and some of the attitude stuff and yada, yada, but that doesn't dismiss the fact that he's got 42 goals, um, you know, under his belt from last season. Teams want that. The Jets certainly need it. Um, And then Connor Hellebuck, obviously a great goaltender. So I guess my feeling is, you know, while there certainly has been chatter and talks and, and whatnot, I imagine the Jets have their deal, have their best deal for teams, or maybe, you know, because you also don't necessarily go down to the, final hour of course trades sometimes do but at this point in time with all the conversations you had we know that new jersey's interested in connor hellebuck we know that they have a lot of pieces in play to be a good team and that goaltending would be you know hellebuck would certainly be an upgrade and put them into instant contender status so you know there's obviously a lot to get from them too but then there's the you know connor hellebuck i think with the i think one of the biggest holdups if you will um, besides maybe return is, is hit, you know, teams willing to sign him to a long-term deal. That was something that was easily attainable despite obviously the, the fewer options with, with uh, Pierre-Luc Dubois, but Pierre-Luc Dubois is 23 years old. I mean, an eight year deal is a, is a slam dunk. And so it's not, not, not quite the same when you're getting into your thirties. And so I, you know, I, I really do at this point in time, unless something crazy happens over the next you know, whatever few days here. And I'm, and I'm not saying that nothing can happen in the first week of August or after a long weekend or whatever, but I, I do think that, you know, I think you're, we got to start assuming here at the very least that both these guys are going to be in camp and that the Jets, you know, while they got a, a tidy piece of business done with Pierre-Luc Dubois, didn't probably get, obviously didn't get the offers that they were hoping for or wanted to that could justify a trade. And therefore, you know, the, the reasons to pick to keep a Mark Shifley and Connor Hellebuck are outweighing the reasons to give them up. And, and I would not be surprised whatsoever, obviously, if, uh, if both those guys were in camp in a couple months. Yeah. And that'll make for, uh, you know, a lot of interesting conversations, uh, you know, down at the rink. And um, I, I mean, the only, the one thing that is, you know, fascinates me the most is just how, that goes with uh, with Rick Bonus. Um, you know, it just did feel at the end of the season with the way he exploded at the end and what we heard from a number of players that, um, and, and obviously contract situations too, that, you know, we'd probably be seeing a little bit more change. And I'm 
think that that was the plan and that was the want of the organization. But to your point, um, if the market tells you differently, um, you know, you'd have to, well, put it this way, you'd have to be in a situation like they obviously felt that they were in with Blake Wheeler, where they make a significant sacrifice to make that change. And at this point in their careers, with the one year left, with both 55 and 37, I mean, those guys are just too good and too productive to be trading, you know, a loony for a couple quarters. And um, as they say, you know, what that means for the atmosphere around the team. Um, I mean, Bones is very experienced. It, he's going to, I think this job is testing all of the experience that he had in his, uh, <laughs> in his incredible resume coming in. And I guess we'll find out uh, what that sounds like and looks like when we get to training camp, if we do get through these next few weeks with no, uh, with no more movement. Jeff Hamilton's with cool. us from the Winnipeg Free Press. Uh, we're going to be talking to Eddie Steele in a few minutes um, in Edmonton. Nice. Um, but let's let's lead off with where this week is going. And yeah, we can talk about 0-8 and, and it's fun. And um, This game on Thursday night is absolutely massive. And for the Bombers who are coming off the bye week, who are at practice right now, knowing what happened when BC came in here a week before, uh, I'm sure that they'll be ready. I'm sure this will be the most focused week of practice they've probably had in a long time, Jeff. But at the same time, they are I don't think there's any question. They are going to need to significantly raise their level of play if they are going to beat the British Columbia Lions, who defensively right now look as good as any unit we've seen in a long time. That includes some of those incredible blue bomber teams. You just don't see shutouts very often in the league, and they did it twice, albeit to Edmonton, but they also came in here and held the bombers to six points. I can't wait for this tilt on Friday on Thursday. Yeah, me neither. I think it's going to be a physical game. There's certainly a lot of pride at stake, despite, you know, some of the muzzled voices on the Bombers that don't want to make it too big or bigger than it is. But, I mean, the fact of the matter is when was the last time we talked about a response game in the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? I mean, obviously, we talked about response games after after the loss to BC and, of course, after the loss to, you know, the shocking loss to Ottawa that they needed to, you know, come back strong the next week. But this really is a response game against an opponent who didn't just beat them, but embarrass them. You know, I mean, we haven't seen the Winnipeg Blue Bombers get dominated like that in years, right? Right, really, since the end of 2019. And so, you you know, I think there's going to be a lot of motivation. There's certainly going to be a lot of pride at stake. There's, you know, no one's talking about redemption right now, but that's exactly what it is for an O-line that gave up seven sacks to, to Zach Kolaris. And as you mentioned, Huss, you know, an offense essentially that, that gave up, you know, or only put up six points. I mean, that had been averaging over 40 points in the first two weeks. And then, you know, the donut boys, as they're, they're being called right now in BC, um, you know, fed them their lunch. It looked like they, it looked like they had the bombers offensive playbook. Um, and so, yeah, there's, you know, this is a really important game. It's a really important game um, for a couple different reasons. For one, the obvious reason, and that, that, that being, um, you know, that battle for the important first spot in the West, as we, you know, as you said, you know, as we know, they BC won the first game. If they win this game, they earn the tiebreaker. And while there's plenty of seasons still to be played this year, you know, anything can happen, um, you know, in those months that puts the bombers in a really tough position to, to, uh, to be hosting, a, you know, to be hosting the West final. And so that's a super important game. And, and even deeper than that is, 
this really is a unique challenge for Winnipeg. This is, you know, we, you know, they've heard, you know, these guys heard the talk. I mean, Jamarcus Hardrick was giving me and Freezer the gears today about, you know, giving them the gears after their losses and whatnot. Um, but you, you know, these guys have a lot of pride that, you know, they've been hearing a lot about how old they are, you know, how they're no longer the class of the CFL, that there's other teams that, you know, they're beatable and, and, and all these things like this team knows and hears that stuff. And, you know, this is their opportunity to, to clap back. And if they don't clap back, if, you know, I mean, a victory would do that. It doesn't matter if it's one point or, you know, obviously if it was 20 points is where I was going to go it'd certainly be convincing, but you know, this is a, this really is a, a statement game for Winnipeg and, and to the rest of the league that, um, you know, you might have got us that first time, you know, lucky you, but uh, we're going to set the record straight this time. And, you know, I think another important thing to say, and this isn't an excuse whatsoever, and this is the case for any team that's been dominant in any league in any sport, is that the Bombers get the other team's best all the time. I mean, they know they need to be on their P's and Q's. They know how prepared the Bombers are. And I think that's what was so shocking about the loss was just from start to finish. It was just a bad game for Winnipeg. So they've gone over that film. They've gone over their mistakes, you know, all the, all the motivation in the world is there for them from the standings perspective, from reputation perspective. Now we're going to see what this team's made of, and that's what makes Thursday's game so exciting and what I'm looking forward most to. What, uh, what was the word from practice? I mean, um, everybody back, anybody missing? I mean, uh, what was the uh, – I mean, listen, I guess we'll get clear indications of uh, the roster and everything, but um, um, anything that people would be interested to note from um, you know the return to practice as they get ready for BC? Well, yesterday, uh, yesterday's news, I guess, was was obviously Kyrie Wilson coming back into play and um, and Winston Rose, two you know key players to the defense, uh, a unit that I would say did pretty well without them, um, but certainly would welcome them back. Adds adds depth, adds uh, two starters really. Uh, Kyrie Wilson, I'm fascinated to see what what he can uh, recapture. Anyone that remembers him knows. Uh, knows how effective he, he is at that weak side linebacker position. But after, you know, a, a, an ankle injury followed by an Achilles injury last season that ended his season in week four, I mean, this guy hasn't played for, for more than a, a calendar year. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. Dalton Schoen, who was banged up and didn't practice yesterday, he was back on the field today. Um, he should be good to go this week. So, you know, pretty healthy team. Um, you know, the focus is now is right off the bye week. They're, they're, they're refreshed. Not a lot of guys go home on this team. I mean, obviously Adam Big Hill went back home to, you know, to, uh, go to his father's funeral or, um, you know, and other guys go home who have families or whatever, but they got three bye weeks. And so the first bye week is usually stay home, you know, be, uh, when I say home, I mean, Winnipeg, stay in Winnipeg, work out. And, and really the mental rest is the, uh, is just not having to go through the grueling process of a week, day one, day two, day three, day four, walk through game. It's just, that's a lot of meetings and a lot of digesting. So just to be able to kind of step away from the game as a whole, I think is, uh, has put this team in a good position and hopefully they're, uh, you know, they're, they're feeling good. They're feeling rested. They're feeling, you know, physically and mentally rested and, and they'll have to be because that BC Lions team is a, is a good team. Even with, uh, even with Dane Evans behind center, anyone who's, anyone who's looking at that team and going, okay, well, Dane Evans is now the quarterback and not Vernon Adams. I'll remind you that David Dane Ev- Evans fed the bombers their lunch last year, um, throwing for five touchdowns. And it was really arguably his best game of his career and what was the worst season of his career. So, so, 
certainly another storyline that's intriguing for this week. But, uh, you know, the Bombers know what's at stake, and um, now it's just to, to go out there and execute and prove it. Did uh, did Osh give us uh, a just, just another week, just another game, or uh, is even the coach uh, so, kind of uh, leaning into uh, maybe this is a bit bigger one than, the, than a normal tilt? So hilarious, hilarious that you asked that because, you know, we're sitting in the media room waiting for Mike to come in and I got the mic in my hand and I'm just like, because we're asking how important is, is, is first place, right? And so all guys are saying, oh, it's really important, you know, of course it's important, it's our goals, yada, yada. Well, Mike would have picked up on, well, I don't know if it's any more important than the next game and blah, 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 and yada, yada. So the way I, the way I framed it was um, – how or, or how much of a factor does this game on Thursday play into your pursuit of of, of finishing first in the West? And so it stumbled him a bit. He answered, you know, I, you know, he, he chuckled a bit, and then at the end, he said he, he reverted back to some of his old some of his old lines, saying, you know, I still don't think this game's any more important than any other game. And you know, these guys talk about every game's the Great Cup, so. You know, they got to win the Great Cup this week, and then next week they got to win the Great Cup, and week after that until November when it's really the Great Cup. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Um, and again, you know, we'll be all over this game over the course of the next couple days leading into game day on Thursday. Um, tell you what, though, it's pretty clear when you look at the Canadian Football League, there's three teams at the top. And I mean, I guess the Bombers will try and prove that they belong as part of those three teams on Friday. Um, because BC just continues to do it. And listen, I know the Riders aren't particularly good and they're, you know, with the backup quarterback right now, but that team in double blue out East looks pretty damn good. Yeah, I don't want to be disrespectful. Like, clearly Toronto's playing well. They got a great defense. Chad Kelly's playing, you know, better than I and I'm sure others predicted he would. Um, you know, they got a good, and Ryan did what he's a good coach. He's a great, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a player's coach, but he's really, really fine tuned the X's and O's and, you know, it's, and he's just going to become a better coach. And that's, you know, I think that's an exciting part for that organization for sure. Um, but you know, I, I, I preface, I say, I didn't want to be disrespectful, but it just seems like everyone's talking about the parody in the league and being better. Like, I don't think so. I feel like this, you know, this year has taken a lot of hits. Like, even if you look at the Bombers, like, obviously credit to credit to Ottawa. You know what I mean? Like, they came back and did an unbelievable job, and it was a great comeback. And But it was all done in the last three and a half minutes. I mean, one of those plays gets made, and the Bombers are winning by 25, 26 points. It's just one of those funky, crazy things that happen in the CFL. And, and get in line, because there's a lot of them. Um, but you know, then Ottawa goes and loses to Hamilton. So like, you know, I get it's proof that any given Sunday and, and, and whatnot, but it's just becoming very clear that it's, you know, as you mentioned off the top, it feels a lot like a three horse race. Um, and I do think, I do agree with you. I think the bombers need to prove even, you know, despite being five and two that they belong in that top echelon. I mean, certainly they deserve to be in that one. I mean, that conversation given what they've done over the last few years, but um you know, they certainly have also had hiccups here. So, you know, to me, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting battle. It's, it's because if you look at the West and how it's shaping out, I mean, with the injury issues in Saskatchewan, with Calgary, just being arguably the most perplexing team in the league. I mean, they're, you know, they aren't 
nearly as good. I don't want to say as what people thought, because I don't necessarily think people thought they were going to be really, really good, but I'm not sure many would have predicted the Stampeders being two and five through seven games. And so the Edmonton Elks are obviously a, tra- you know, a train wreck. And so you start doing the math and there might, you know, you're joking about it earlier, but it, it's not so funny. There might be a East crossover in the mix. So I don't That's know. Never I, you know they before, often- has it? That, that, that would be unprecedented, correct? I believe so, but it, you know, I, I don't, yeah, I believe so. Um, I'm pretty sure there's I'll, never, ever been an East crossover. Just over like the there's West. never been a West crossover champion. So no one's ever crossed over from the West to the East and even made the Grey Cup, let alone won it. So um, it's not as easy path to the Grey Cup as many, you know, many seem to think each year. But yeah, it's just, it's an interesting season. Obviously, it's been plagued by a lot of injuries and, uh, you know, to keep, you know, to keep positions. And, you know, I'm sure you're going to get into it with Eddie next, next uh, segment here. But I mean, the Elks are just at a whole, whole other category um you know i don't know what's happening with them but um it's not good but uh yeah it's just it's an interesting year it's it's made for some exciting games for sure but it almost feels like the top three teams are the best teams in in toronto bc and winnipeg and then it's kind of just the rest and and i don't know again it's made for some good made for some good weeks of football um so the product hasn't been hurt too too much but we've also seen some absolute snoozers um from from clubs that just have proven year and you know all year elks notably uh that they're, not, they're just not that good yeah well it's good gonna be good to have the uh, bombers back playing this week because it was basically weather delays and field goals. That was the theme of <laughs> this this week uh-huh. um, that we just had. What uh, obviously, I know you and the gang there at the free are going to be all over this huge matchup on uh, on Thursday. What do you got cooking up in the uh, in the paper for the next few days uh, heading into the game? CFL all week talking about a bit of a redemption game for the O line today. Tomorrow uh, we get what day is it tomorrow Tuesday. Yeah, back at actually I got my rundown column probably tomorrow for so I'd take a trip around the CFL that should be a lot of fun can't wait to dive into the ridiculous decision to keep Bo Levi Mitchell on uh or to run him on that final play um so I'm looking forward to sharing some opinions on some of the top stories this week and then right into preparation for for Thursday's big tilt beginning Wednesday with my five storylines game coverage and then at my post game call on my five takeaways so another uh wick Wicked week in my kick-ass life, us. Yeah, well, just uh, keep on uh, doing it better than anyone else, man. And I'll tell you what, um, listen, I always love the lead-in and the reporting, but this, I mean, this almost feels almost like a playoff game in some ways. And I know that's crazy to say in the first half of the season, but there's a lot at stake. And I just, from a per, like a pride standpoint for every guy in that locker room, I think we're going to find out a lot about the 2023 Winnipeg Blue Bombers on Thursday night when the BC Lions are here. Hammer, keep it smooth, buddy. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, man. Yeah, no shortage of storylines and shout out to the followers. Enjoy this next segment. I'm, I'm sure Eddie's going to bring it. So we'll, uh, we'll, we'll do the same thing next week. I'm looking forward to it. You got it, pal. Take it easy. There's Jeff Hamilton. Follow him on Twitter, of course, at Jeff K. Hamilton. You can check out his work in the Winnipeg Free Press. Yes, we will talk a little bit more about the Canadian Football League in just a moment with Winnipeg native Eddie Steele. Uh, big shout out, though, to our friends at Little Brown Jug. Of course, if you haven't tried the generic lager, which just launched a few months ago, got to get out and try it. We had a, we almost drank them dry, I think, at the bomber at the uh, uh, WST night at the ballpark last week. Um, and 
Uh, it's your basic lager, just better, impressively standard in the best way, light and clean to taste with a mellow flavor and crisp finish. Available throughout the city, wherever you get great beer. But your best bet is to pop down, have a few on the patio, and get all your favorite Little Brown Jug beers at Little Brown Jug on William Avenue. And of course, 1919, now available at IG Field, is Little Brown Jug's an official partner of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. Um, our uh, friends at Breezy Bend. So fired up with the new greens on 7 and 15. It just opened last week. Shout out to Craig and the entire staff for doing such a great job on it. Um, if you've had a chance to play Breezy in the past, maybe you should think about making it your longtime golfing home for you and your, and your family. Talk to Corey Johnson. Get on the waiting list for the 2024 season at Breezy Bend. You can find out more online at breezybend.ca. All right. Been looking forward to this for a while. Um, let's welcome in Winnipeg native, former Kelvin Clipper, former Vanier Cup champion with the Manitoba Bison and longtime CFLer that knows a thing or two about what's going on with the Edmonton Elks and Chris Jones team. We welcome in Eddie Steele to the program. Eddie, man, it is great to have you on back in your hometown of the Peg. What's going on? I, I, I'm doing very well. I always love chopping it up, and especially with people that have played. But listen, this has been a long time coming. And we should have had you on a long time ago, but because of course you are a Winnipeg guy. No, you know you're making your life a little bit out west, but um, your football journey has taken you far away, but I know this city's still very close in your heart with a lot of friends and family back here. Absolutely, man. Edmonton is home for me now, but, uh, and this wasn't planned wearing this blue, but uh, Winnipeg is home and it's, uh, it means a lot to me. It really does. I actually am coming back to Winnipeg uh, at the end of this week for a week. So it's going to be some, some good family and friends time, kids to come and see some family that they haven't even met yet. Oh man, that is uh, that is exciting. Well, uh, I I'm sure the football team in the city that you currently live in might come up. I and mean, I'll ask you about the Bombers and Lions. We're all fired up about this game on Thursday in a minute. But uh, I mean, Ed, as a former champion, as a former guy that you know won with Chris Jones, I, what has this been like for you to see the disintegration of one of the proudest franchises in this league to the depths that they're in right now? In terms of being a, a former champion and former uh, player of Chris Jones, because people know I'm a Chris Jones soldier and I firmly believe in him. I have a lot of respect for him. And that's what's made this so challenging, watching the demise and, like you say, the unraveling of what's going on, you know. And it's hard because you can only go to bat so long and, and you know, try and stick up for it. But it is what it is. And Chris Jones used to tell us all the time, you are what you are. And the fact of the matter is, look in the offense statistically across the board. Uh, it's been like that going back to last year. Uh, there's only a couple of things I tell people in, in pro football that really matters. And they don't, pro football doesn't matter if you're a good friend, a good husband, you know, a good dude. It doesn't matter. It matters about production. That's the only thing that matters. And right now there is no production. And if I was a player and I wasn't producing, they would have had me on the first WestJet plane back home. And that's the reality. You have to produce in pro football. And the offense hasn't been producing. So I came down out here with McAdoo um, 
losing or being demoted and Jerry's Jackson now. So I, I think that was long overdue. Uh, yeah, I don't think there'll be many people that would say, uh, well, I'll just give it a little bit more time. It's been there. And listen, I mean, you, McAdoo is a guy, like, tell us a bit more about that relationship with Chris. Because if there's one thing about Jones, he seems to be incredibly loyal to his guys. And even McAdoo has always been one of his guys. And I'm sure this was the absolute last resort. But, um, you know, as a guy that's been playing, that played for a long time. I mean, I can't imagine what it was like on the defensive side of the sideline when when your team's getting shut out in the Canadian Football League multiple times. The reality is, you know, McAdoo's offense has always been, if you go back to when he started first became an OC, um, pretty mediocre. Really good year in SAS, the year that Cody Fajardo kind of went off. But other than that, it's been kind of middle of the pack. And, you know, it's very vanilla. Uh, and I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to say that. Um, and, you know, I, it seems to be like people don't want to address it for what it is. So I have no issue saying the facts. It's been a very vanilla offense and with no success. So, again, I get the loyalty of Chris Jones, and he's very loyal. He is. Um, he was loyal to me as a player. And that's why I have that type of risk towards him. But that only goes so far, man. This is a business, and pro football doesn't care about loyalty. You gotta have success. You gotta win. You are only in pro football to do one thing, and that is win and win championships. And they're not even close to that. In fact, what's really head scratching is traditionally when Chris Jones takes over an organization. The second year is when he has the most success. It was like that in Edmonton. It was like in the past. It was like that in Saskatchewan when he was there. Here into his uh, takeover, and they have just regressed. And there was a lot of hype going around them going into the season in terms of them taking steps forward. They had some big offseason acquisitions, but they've done nothing but regress. And when you're sitting at 0-8 and, and you get shut out twice in the CFL, I don't care who you are, what type of relationship you have. That is flat out unacceptable, especially when they're not even entering the red zone half in those games. So, like, I, what else can you say? Like, what more can you say? Terrible football. Something had to happen. Um, McAdoo was the obvious, the easiest, somewhat scapegoat. And, listen, I, I know that there is um, plenty of evidence that that was one of – many changes that needed to be done. Um, but, of course, in the Canadian Football League, the quarterback, um, or the nature of the position takes a lot of heat as well. Cornelius, I think, is like 0-15 at home now as a starter. I mean, he has sort of been the guy for the majority of this embarrassing losing streak in front of the fans at Commonwealth. Why do you think Jones stuck with him as long as he did with the losses piling up and the intense pressures you mentioned to produce, which there hadn't been enough production. Probably one of the biggest reasons I would say is because Cornelius, he's a unicorn. He really is. He's everything you want in a quarterback in terms of physical gifts. He is tall. He can run. He's got a can. With that being said, a quarterback should be able to complete, you know, more than 45% of his passes. But he's got all those types of intangibles. And I'm a guy, too, who's guilty of being pretty bullish on him 
thinking that he could get the job done, even going back to last year when clearly he wasn't getting the job done. With that being said, uh, you got other bodies on the roster who now are going to be getting that opportunity. And I was thinking to myself today, this honestly starts to fall more on the shoulders of Jones. Uh, the worse and worse things get because him and G. Roy Simon were for acquiring the talent. So if you're not acquiring enough talent that you don't feel comfortable about playing your backup quarterbacks because they might not be as good as they should be, that's becoming a whole nother issue about who is the one who is creating this team. So that that's a whole deeper conversation, though. Yeah, um, because, I mean, listen, there's a lot of heat on Chris Jones, the coach, and as there should be. And I'll tell you what, I mean, maybe – Maybe the most damning moment of the entire season when it comes to, like, what the hell are the coaches doing was the game that they lost on the Rouge. I mean, how you have a rookie out there that doesn't know 100% the scenario and the situation of where they're in and have that to be what ended up costing them, I think was a lot on the coach. But he's also the GM, Eddie. And at a certain point, you have to ask, I mean, do they have the athletes to compete with the rest of the league? And that's exactly what I was saying, you know, because you're the one who's responsible now for who's putting the team. And when you're sitting at 0-8, clearly you're not competing uh, to the level that you should be at. Now, with that being said, that 0-8 could look drastically different had it been for uh, slight coaching, uh, better coaching in that SAS game with the Rouge. Or if their O-line in the first game of the season gets a yard, which the defense is a yard off of the ball to begin with. And they weren't able to do that. So there's a there's been a few instances throughout the season. Yes, it falls on coaching, but again, it falls on the players as well. I'm not he's the coach. The players are definitely at fault because they're in reality the ones who are out there who have to execute. The coaches can only do so much. The coaches can coach, but the players gotta go out there and play. And clearly they're not getting it done either. Former uh Eskimo, of course, the team is now the Elks. Eddie Steele with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Eddie, yeah, you care about the team, the organization. Um, most people in the community that know you probably know you from your football career. What What are your conversations like on a day to day basis in Edmonton when people want to talk to you about the local football team and where they are at right now? To be honest, and uh, I'm in sales myself, so I'm meeting people all the time, and people know who I am, and they want to always ask questions. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of having to answer the same questions over and over and over again. Uh, to be quite honestly, it's very annoying, especially when people, what, what's going on with the Elks? Oh, is it that name change? Oh, they shouldn't have ever changed the name. I'm so tired of hearing that narrative. I really am. And no, it's not the name change, but that narrative is there because Hus keeping it real, man. They haven't won a home game in front of their fans since they've changed the name. It's not because they changed the name, but this fan base hasn't even had an opportunity. That's mind blowing if you think about it. So yeah, it's total disgust out here because it's a gate driven league. There is no CFL if there are no fans going to the games and seeing how empty Commonwealth it's depressing man it's depressing to see because it's already a big stadium when there's thirty-five thousand, it still looks pretty empty but when there's five thousand, i can tell you man it's it's sad to see well and, and i mean i mean for those of us that love the cfl 
that want this league to be healthy. Hell, want us to get to it. Ten teams. You saw a great, you know, touchdown Atlantic event with the Riders and the Argos out there. To look out east and see, oh, there's a potential, maybe things are getting going, and then to turn west and see one of the crown jewels of this league playing, losing 21 in a row at home in front of, uh, you know, a city that is basically justifiably checked out on this team. You know, it does make you nervous. And with the structure of how that team is put together, the organization, like I really like Victor Kui. I think he's done a lot of things that, you know, the organizations needed to do to bring more people in, uh, all of that stuff. It doesn't mean a damn thing if you're embarrassing yourselves week in and week out. And, and Eddie, I imagine there's a very legitimate concern as to, like, this is a lost season already, whatever, but... Like, what's the long-term damage of this period of football in Edmonton and what it might do to the long-term viability of that football team? It's a scary, scary thought to go down that hole that we're facing, especially when you see, again, how empty the stadium is. I will say this, though, and I thought about it this morning. You mentioned how the season's lost. That's the crazy thing about the CFL, man. <laughs> There's three right. games out of it. They're right in the mix. That's what's even more disappointing is and frustrating is that they are literally in the mix of it at 0-8. You win a couple of games and uh, Calgary and Saskatchewan continue to stub their toe. Well, man, you're in a playoff spot. So they just got to get it figured out. Hopefully see someone get fired or demoted. That's just, you don't like that, but... Again, pro football or pro sports, it's cutthroat. It doesn't care about you. It doesn't. It cares about production. And you got to do something in order to get some production. Now, um, you know, they're making the quarterback change. McAdoo is, uh, is going to be a special assistant. And Jarius Jackson is coming in. I mean, when you look at this team overall, um, are there any other changes that you would make right away? I, and listen, the caveat to this is, you can say, well, Chris Jones needs to go turn everyone around. With the cap on management salaries, they're kind of screwed. I mean, Chris Jones really needs to find to figure this out. And as I say, it doesn't look like that's happening, but I will give him enough benefit of the doubt on what he's done in the past to know that it is possible. But um, I mean, if if they were if you were a consultant, Victor Quee comes to you and go, Eddie. Help us out. What are you doing? I mean, is there anything that, you know, on off the top of your mind that you'd be doing right now or this season to try to get this thing going in the right direction? Uh, my personal opinion, man, in all reality, is Chris Jones in Saskatchewan when he brought me over in 2017 and 2018, he was – that's the first time he was the head coach, the GM, and the DC. So he was wearing all three hats there those years in Saskatchewan. And what I noticed as far as the biggest change in that was when he was just the head coach and D coordinator in 2014 and 15 when we're in Edmonton and just had a vicious deep uh, I personally noticed the attention to detail slipped a little bit the more hats he had because now he's worried about personnel and he uh, delegated some of the responsibilities to his assistant coaches. He wasn't as hands-on. And I truly saw a difference from uh, the way we operated in the in Edmonton in fourteen fifteen, as opposed to how it was in Saskatchewan. It was a little looser, you know. It was a, just a little bit looser. It wasn't as sharp. 
Uh, our walkthroughs were a little bit different because now he's not just working forth to the O and everything. So I think um, he needs to not be involved on the personnel side of things as much because he's a hell of a coach. That's the thing. He's a hell of a coach, and he can find talent. He's found uh, Winnipeg's best player, arguably, over the past few seasons in Willie Jefferson. He finds talent. But I think at this point in time, he needs to back off of that and just stick to straight coaching and get sharp on those details uh, because that's when he is truly at his best. Eddie Steele is with us on Winnipeg Sports Talk discussing the uh, plight of the winless Edmonton Elks and a little CFL talk. Um, I got to ask you about the British Columbia Lions, and you know a thing or two about good defenses and championship defenses. This team has shut out Edmonton twice, which is, I mean, phenomenal. But at the same time, for everyone that wants to say, well, the Elks are historically bad, big deal. Uh we all remember what they did to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers earlier this season when they came in and whooped them 30-6. to Huge rematch here in Winnipeg on Thursday night between Winnipeg and BC. Eddie, from, up from the defensive side of the football, just how impressed have you been with what BC is bringing to the table week in and week out? It is very impressive. And you know what? Without being biased, it starts up front. Their defensive line has been humming. In creating pressure. I mean, you saw firsthand what did to Winnipeg's offensive line a few weeks back. I hadn't seen Winnipeg's offensive line look like that in many years, the way they were uh, getting beat, especially in the pass rush, and just creating havoc in the backfield. There, I got to eat my words too, man. In the past, when Matthew Betts first was in the league, I, I came down pretty hard on him. I didn't think he was going to do anything, but here he is. He's the sack leader, and he's balling. And I, I totally got to eat it because he is doing everything that I said he couldn't do. And he is, uh, it's pretty remarkable to see kid lead the league in sacks and playing the way he's playing. I love it. I love it because that's everything I dreamt of being. Yeah. I mean, he's on a, a historic pace right now. And I mean, listen, you know, you, you team success begets individual success. But when you've got the playmakers like they have on the defensive side of the football, and so many guys you got to worry about. A guy like him, you know, can get to that quarterback and make it happen. What have you thought about the Bombers so far this year? I mean, they have been the standard in this league for the better part of the last four years. Um, they were a clear favorite going in. Humbled, straight up. They got humbled in that game at home against uh, uh, BC. And then had that bizarre, <laughs> the bizarre, the Ottawa game. I mean, we still can't really believe that that happened. But the Bombers are 5-2 and two going into probably their biggest challenge, you know, in this era. I mean, Eddie, they had not lost a home game to a team in the West since 2018, which is a, a mind-boggling stat going into that game. But, I mean, you know there's a lot of proud guys. There's a lot of guys with rings in that room. How do you feel and what do you expect from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers getting another shot at BC? And, of course, the Bombers were on the bye last week. BC's on a short week. How impactful do you think that might be in Friday and Thursday night's game? In the words of Jim Ross, it's going to be a slobber knocker <laughs> because the Bombers, you're right. There's going to be a lot of pride on the line, uh, a lot of uh, wanting to show that that game when they BC came in and whooped them, that that's not who Winnipeg is. In terms of overall in the season, how can you come down uh, talking negative, right? You can't because they're still – the, the cream of the crop in the league, they are. 
But the reality is, I think it doesn't take a rocket scientist to see that uh, football is a young man's game. And especially on the offensive line, where that has been the absolute strength. I've never seen offensive line play like the Bombers have had over the past five years. That's why Winnipeg has been good. It begins and ends with that offensive line. And we're starting to see some holes in that offensive line. I feel like they're that same powerful force that they've felt like over the past few years. Uh, And I solely believe that that is because of the offensive line play. Because this is by far the worst. And when I say the worst, I should should rephrase it. This is by far um, not... They haven't been playing up to their standard. When I say worse, because they're still sitting at five and two, but the standard has been set so high and so physically over the past five years, they're right now not playing up to that standard. Uh, Eddie, just quickly, um, Argos are looking real good undefeated. I mean, they haven't had the schedule that maybe some other teams, although they were the one team that figured out a way to beat BC, albeit VA through six picks in that game. But um you know, it's really been like the West has always been the favorite. It's always been about the West for the last number of years, and we'll see who gets to the Grey Cup and has a chance to do it. Um, Argos right now, I mean, right there with BC and Winnipeg, if not the number one team, no one's beaten them so far. How impressed are you with what Dinwiddie has done putting together a team that seems to be very much in the mix to uh, back up their championship they won last year? Yeah, they look really good, and I'm glad you name-dropped him here. Ryan Dinwiddie, he is a huge reason for it. He's a, he's a really, really good coach. I spent a little bit of time with him a couple of great cups ago in Hamilton, and, uh, man, we're just chopping it up and getting into it. And He's a smart, smart coach, and offensively, he is a really good coach, a player's coach, just from the time that I spent with Coach. And uh, that, man... He's got them humming on all cylinders. Defense is playing well. Offense, they're not lights out, but they are definitely a really good offense that moves the ball, and they know how to produce. So that's all you need is an offense that can produce, a defense that can get you some stops and turnovers, and boom, you're right in it. Uh, Eddie Steele is with us. Eddie, um, this has been a lot of fun having you on the program. Far uh, overdue, and we're going to have to do this again soon. Once we get past this game, you know what uh, you know what the Elks have next week? The Winnipeg Blue Bombers <laughs> coming to town. I mean, uh, hey, just, I mean, whether it's, I mean, unlikely, but hey, that's why they play the games, right? Um, Winnipeg, or like, what would just a single damn win at home do for Edmonton moving forward? I mean, to, uh, it's not going to get them into the playoffs or anything, but I mean, uh, how big would just a one damn win be to everybody in that building, whether you're a player or working for the club. That's just it. And people ask me often, how do you change things? What do they have to do to fix it? There's one answer, one answer only and win. That's all you have to do is win games. That's it. You don't have to go out there and be the best on social media and do the best, uh, different promotions organizationally. You got to win ball games. That's what you're getting paid to do. Win games, people will come. End of it. Uh, folks, give Eddie a follow on Twitter. It's Eddie underscore Steel 97. Um, some great CFL insights. And by the way, I got to give a little shout out. Junior looked pretty good coming to work with uh, the old man today. Uh, <laughs> that must have been fun <laughs> for you. 
Yeah, it was, man. So I'm in sales in my uh, my life here. And uh, yeah, he, he helped me close a little bit of deals today. So it helped. Hey, you can't say no to a cute kid. I mean, you should be bringing him around every day. There's the picture. <laughs> Dad Jr. Anyways. Love it. Great work. Uh, hey, we've loved having you on this. Uh, I love it. Unfiltered, experienced takes on a game that you are so passionate about like we are as well. Eddie. Be well. Have a great time back here in your hometown of the Peg next week, and uh, maybe we'll run into you. And if not, we'll definitely do this again a little later on. Uh, a little later on this year. All right, Hus. Appreciate that. Just a little side note. Thank you for your tips. You're helping me out in the bets. <laughs> right on. Yep. Me and Dusty getting back in the lock shop tomorrow. It's all good, dude. Although. We should have just taken the over on field goals in all the games on the weekend, and we would have made a lot of money. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Take it easy, pal. Thanks so much. All right, good stuff. Eddie Steele, uh, you know, he was such a great player back here at home. A monster for my alma mater, Kelvin High School. Uh, an absolute crusher for the Bisons during one of the great periods of Bison football in the last number of decades, winning a, a Vanier Cup. And then uh, had a hell of a CFL career and uh, now moving on into uh, the real world, as they say. But still paying attention very closely to the Canadian Football League. All right, I'm going to get Remo back in here. we got to get to some cool bet lines. But uh, the countdown is on, everyone. Aikens Lake coming up this weekend. I am so damn excited best three or four days of the year and uh it is just about here uh you've seen the beautiful pictures here definitely go to their website or their social media to uh, see a little bit more about what Aikens Lake looks like but pictures don't really do it justice the Aikens experience is one of a kind world-class fishing and even better hospitality find out more at AikensLake.com on Twitter uh it's at Aikens Lake Booking well into 2024 right now. Ultimate corporate getaway, especially after all those Zoom meetings for the last few years. And uh, <laughs> it's better. And I'll have plenty, hopefully, some pictures of some big fish and some great stories from the weekend coming up. Cannot wait to see Pitt and the gang out there. Of course, Assiniboia Downs is back at it tonight. And we'll go to that in just a moment. Gold Ice had a uh, nice... Nice weather, but uh, tough weekend. Losing three to the Fargo-Moorhead Red Hawks. Uh, fish on the road traveling today. Open up a series tomorrow in Kansas City. And then they'll be back after the long weekend with another full slate of games. We'd have to get out there again. We had so much fun last week. Thanks to everyone that came out for our Winnipeg Sports Talk night at the Gold Eyes. Uh, let's get Remo back in here before we do these uh, lines and make our horse picks for tonight. Great segment from Eddie. Uh, the only thing that I'm mad about is that we didn't have him on, him on earlier. We've been talking about it for a while, but that was a great hit from a guy that, you know, has a ton of passion for it, but knows exactly about Chris Jones, the Elks, and that situation in Edmonton. Yeah, a lot of insight, uh, a lot of passion from Eddie. Uh, he's in the Edmonton area, so talking to fans. Um and it is uh, disappointing what's happened to Edmonton again. Such a great franchise for so long. And it's kind of, you know, I agree with him about the name thing, but it is, it is crazy how the team hasn't seen a win at home since they changed the name. And that seemed like forever ago that that happened. So it was, Michael. 
They haven't won since 2019. Oh my God, 2019. That's the year my son was born. He just turned four. That's feels like forever. We talked about that at the top. It feels like forever, forever ago. So um, crazy. The Bombers winning the Great Cup that year must have put some sort of curse on the organization, a sort of hex, if you will. But it's uh, it is ugly. They were horrible again on the weekend. And, I mean, they're just being completely outclassed by good teams. And certainly the BC Lions are a good team. Uh, and we know the Winnipeg Blue Bombers are a very good team. And, oh, yeah, they got the Bombers next. But first up, it's going to be Bombers and Lions. We'll be all over this game this week as we get ready for a big one on Thursday night. All right, let's head over to the cool bet lines for tonight. We'll get to Major League Baseball. Just while I bring this up, Remola, Jays, listen, a nice weekend um, winning the series against the Angels. But Jordan Romano goes down and, uh, man, ahead of tomorrow's trade deadline, got an absolute fireballer from the St. Louis Cardinals to uh, shore up the pen. Yeah, you have to like this ad of... Jordan Hicks, a guy who throws gas. He can help the bullpen. And we've talked for years about the Jets needing another Jets. The Jays needing a fireballer back there. 59 strikeouts in uh, 41 innings. Uh, he throws over 100, uh, you know, 26 years old. Uh, nice pickup here for the Jays who needed an arm. And there are a lot of teams getting ahead of the deadline here. It is tomorrow. I just saw Aaron Savale traded. Acquired by the Rays uh, from Cleveland. So all the teams in their division uh, loading up as well. And we've talked so much about how it's a dog dog fight there. So I like this move for the Jays. I'm curious if they're going to do more. And we'll have to wait and see. But the MLB trade deadline, a uh, couple moves. I don't think Tomorrow there was a four. move as well on uh, on the deadline. I mean, over the weekend. But I'm forgetting it. Anyways, a uh, nice move from the Jays. And... Well, Scherzer, uh, Scherzer to the Rangers. Oh, that, that was it. That was a crazy one. And the Mets are paying him like 20. You know, they're eating some of that salary. Scherzer picked up his $41 million option for next year, cha-ching. And the Mets, you know, signing him to the big deal. Are they going to trade uh, Justin Verlander? You know, they thought this was going to be the year of the Mets. They give Verlander and Scherzer these big money contracts and trade one away and have to eat some of that salary. And Verlander... Uh, I guess rumors about him going to the Dodgers. He's going to go back to the Astros. I'm curious what happens there, but what a base plant here from the Mets. We've got the new owner, Steve Cohen, you know, racking up this payroll and doesn't get them anywhere. You know what? I, I, I determined that I'd never want the Mets to get better because it just, it just keeps on giving us more incredible Frank, the tank content on an absolute daily basis of Frank Fleming losing his mind over and over again at his incompetent team with the biggest payroll in Major League mm-hmm. Baseball. By the way, tons of love for Eddie Steele in the uh, in the chat. Great to see everyone enjoyed that. And Sam Scarf Closet uh, speculating that I maybe got expelled from Ravens Court for bootlegging Mister Big and Old Dutch potato chips from his locker to the borders. Haha. <laughs> uh, Listen, if I went there, uh, that could have been a possibility. Uh, but uh, no, I'm, I'm not one of the uh, 
the Ravens courts. I did have a bunch of friends that went there, you know, met them through hockey and whatnot, but uh, no, public school all the way. And yes, I, like Eddie, a proud former Clipper, shout out to the gang over at Kelvin. All right, let's get to these games tonight because the Jays are back. Huge series against the Baltimore Orioles. The Jays are five and a half back. It's a four-game series. Huge opportunity to, uh, you know, start pushing for first instead of hanging around in a wild card spot. I'll tell you what, they are very much due when it comes to beating ALE's teams. And no better team to do that. That is the uh, the, the team that's on, on top. And, of course, it is Chris Bassett, who's been real good as of late. Bassett versus Gibson, your matchup tonight. Jays minus 133 on the money line. Orioles plus 118 at home. I did make Bo Bichette over one and a half total bases. My cool bet play of the day. We'll have that out on the uh, uh, on the, the socials a little bit later on. Other matchups tonight. Noah Syndergaard making, I believe, his first start for the Guardians. Taking on the Astros. Uh, you got Padres Rockies. D-backs, Giants, Giants a minus 143 favorite, and uh, your Mariners going up against the Red Sox, minus 128, and tomorrow, again, Major League Baseball trade deadline. We'll uh, have a full sort of recap towards the end of tomorrow's show. Meanwhile, Women's World Cup, well, we don't have Canada to talk about anymore. Tonight, 2 a.m., Portugal versus USA, USA a big favorite, and uh, Netherlands a massive favorite over Vietnam, minus 333. USA a minus one and a half goal favorite, Netherlands favored by three. And then the other group playing tonight or tomorrow morning, China versus England and Haiti versus Denmark. Head on over to CoolBet NFL props and uh, futures for the entire season there as well. And much, much more. And if you haven't played a cool bet before, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus up to 200 bucks on your first deposit. I don't believe we've got CFL lines yet for the week. So as soon as... Oh, actually, sorry, we do. Huh. I just had to find them in the right spot. Okay, wow. Remus, what do you think of this? Bombers have opened as four-and-a-half-point favorites against the Lions. Very surprising. Um, you know, we always say that the, what is it, three points for home advantage. So this would be yeah. saying the Bombers are, what, one-and-a-half-point favorites. And considering BC has got the better record than the Bombers um, and they're playing a backup QB, I'm surprised the Bombers are favored by this much, but this is the kind of respect that they get when you've had the last couple of years that they have. I don't think they're, maybe they're not buying what happened in the first meeting, you know, not buying the, you know, brain cramp in the second half against Ottawa. Still confident, you know, the betting odds still confident. The Bombers are a good team. This is high. I thought it'd be closer to a pick him, uh, or maybe like two and a half. Yeah. Like, this I, is... I, oh yeah, I'm with you. Like I thought the Bombers would be a slight favorite. I didn't think four and a half. Like, so more than I a mean, field goal. Like, These lines, no, I, I like honestly, I mean, with what the BC defense has been, although, and I brought this up, one thing that certainly I think the odds makers pay closer attention to than maybe average fans is the schedule. Yes. And BC just played on Saturday. They got to turn it around and play on a short week on the road in Winnipeg as opposed to the Bombers who had the bye that are going to be pissed off. Um, so I, I, I will say this. I expect if you want to bet the Bombers, I would wait 
because I have a feeling this is going to get closer to a three-point game by the time kickoff comes. Um, so the Bombers are four-and-a-half-point favorites. The Argos are eight-point favorites in Calgary. Montreal is one-and-a-half-point favorites in Hamilton. And the Ottawa Red Blacks are one-point favorites in Saskatchewan. So uh, some actual, some really good games this week, other than one sort of big spread, Toronto-Calgary. Everything else is there. And just out of curiosity, what are the futures looking like? The Argos are now the Grey Cup favorites at plus 225. Bombers right behind them at plus 250. BC at plus 300. And then there's everybody else. Montreal next up at 11 to one uh, after their uh, their win last night over the Calgary Stampeders. Um, Remo, let's get to uh, let's get to the track tonight. I'm all fired up. Going with my folks on Wednesday. We're going to be doing the buffet. If you haven't had a chance to do that before, reserve a table eight eight five thirty three thirty for any of the live racing nights. Thank me later for that. It doesn't get any better than the cuisine at Assiniboia Downs, and hopefully can start it off and get some momentum going with some good picks tonight leading into my live appearance on uh, Wednesday. What uh, what are you cooking up for today at the track? I'm starting race two. You have race one? I think I do have race one. Uh, no, sorry. I'm also starting on race two. Okay, I'll give you my pick. I bet I know what it is. Yeah, you can probably tell me what it is, right? I have number five to win. Drizzy, you know it. I, that's my horse, Drizzy. So I got five bucks on Drizzy to I, win. I like Drizzy today. I made the same wager. All right, let's go to yeah. Race well, hey, number. my other horse, Maybella, won. Uh, won. What's it called? Uh, Maybella won on Wednesday. So I was up a bit on Wednesday. It was good. Nicely done. Nicely done. I did see that one. Um, sorry, what did what number did I have here in this horse? Number three. Race three. I'm, yeah, I'm on horse. Five, uh, I'm on horse uh, race three. Uh, I'm on yep. Sugar Daddy Jack. Okay, you're on that. I'm on um, get up early because we we're all up early today, Hus, for Canada too, at 5 a.m. Early. Very disappointing. Too early. Uh, race number four, I'm actually going to throw three bucks on a bit of a long shot. Number three, rolling sevens, 15 to one in the program. But I did like the fact this is a seven furlong race. The last two have been the shorties, five and a half, and he hasn't done well, or she. But uh, second place in a mile race earlier does have some better history at Century Mile on longer tracks. So we'll see if Roland Sevens can uh, score in a bit of a Hail Mary tonight. Yeah, I'm not on. I thought about House Limit, but, you know, six to five odds. I just didn't think it was worth betting on. Um, I'm on to race five. I got an exact. I'm going with the favorites here. Uh, Del Vecchio and Kate's Princess. I got a nice two-seven. Exactly. Del Vecchio is a very strong horse. Two strong horses. Put them together. Hopefully it, it works out. I, got I don't do this too often, but I'm actually taking the chalk triactor. Oh, what's the third? I thought about that. What's the other one? Hand yeah. carved? So I've, I've included hand carved. Okay, I thought about it. One dollar wheel. Um, however, however we can make it happen. Now, I do have a wager for race six. And uh, 
This is another. This is another bomb. Okay. You know I love the wit horses. We haven't had a lot of them. Wits Rojo starting off at twenty to one. Six furlong race. Does have a win and a third at six furlongs earlier this year. So um yeah, it's been a while since we've had a real straight up long, long shot win. Yeah. So I'm gonna put a toonie down on Wits Rojo. You gotta take that. And I got one more. I'm on race seven, so I guess that's the last race for me. Fire man. away. Uh, you're going with wet nine on this one. I am rocking um, race seven, horse five, white rose spirit to win. Nice program selection, six to one odds right now. These horses are all very even. The three top ones: say it all, Zipporah, white rose spirit. I'm rolling the dice with white rose spirit here. White rose spirit number five. Actually, that is uh, that's good. What about say it all? Yeah, streamer. I was um, very tempted to go with just because of what we're doing here. But I, uh, you're you're being a former NHL streamer. That's still true. An occasional NHL streamer. Well, we're we're streaming. You and I are streaming on YouTube right now. Are we? That's not? right. That's true. We are. The one thing that streamer has been in way longer races. If you look, I mean, there's no stranger to these one miles, um, and has been. Second, third. Do you remember any wins? Oh, streamer's got a couple wins. I bet on streamer. I haven't won on streamer. I haven't seen any. Oh, no, sorry. He hasn't won. I can't read. I don't know how to read a box score. No, they haven't won. Yeah, it's finish. It's under finish. I was looking at program Um, number. number. So, yeah, 7.30 uh, post time tonight for race number one. AS Downs YouTube at, let's see, it is going to be 6.45 p.m. The guys will be doing their picks. And then, of course, they're jumping on in between all the races for a little updates as well. Kirk and Stretch, far better picks than ours, I will tell you that much. But uh, having a lot of fun doing it. And again, heading out to the track on Wednesday. Uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is live racing again. 885-3330 if you're looking to make uh, an appointment or a reservation, I should say, in uh, in the chat. Um, all right. Well, I know over the next couple of days, we're going to get into some more CFL talk because uh, obviously things are very quiet on the Jets front. We do have a big Seabears game on Friday. Uh, but the main event of the sports calendar here in Peg City this week is undoubtedly kickoff Thursday between the Bombers and the Lions. I am, I have no issue talking about this game for the next four days. I'm fine with it. I'm fired up. This is uh big rematch here we all remember what happened or we've tried to forget it uh bc very strong looking like a big threat in the west but the bombers trying to hold on here and let's see uh i guess some practice updates i guess jeff already dalton shown back missed yesterday so that was that was good to see and nice we'll get game two of kenny lawler made so much uh, made a couple great plays, including that spectacular catch. <laughs> or was it a catch uh, in his first catch. game back? Looking forward to the encore here. Um, do you have any uh, ra- uh, birthday party-related rants? Is there any big incident that uh, you figure you should be airing out in an airing of grievances at the end of the show? No, I don't have. Just sh- shout out to Nick who came through with the, uh, with the Hot Wheels cake. Yeah, no... Um... 
It all went well. And you had some very nice weather for that, too. Oh, I was just, you know, we planned an outdoor birthday party with zero plan B if it rained. So we've been praying <laughs> for like the last month. Like, I was like, what are we going to do? Uh, people are telling me to rant. I got no, I have no, no rant here for me. I got a rant. We could rant about being out of the World Cup, but no. I don't think either of us would have good enough um, ammo on that. Just too bad. I mean, and it yeah. all came back. Like, how the hell did Nigeria beat Australia? Like, that was the big thing. Like, if that happens, you know, the, the, we'd be through. No big deal. But it didn't. I guess, well, you know, with the four-goal loss, like the way they got spanked today, it actually wouldn't have made a difference because there would have been a tie for that second spot and it would have been goal differential or whatever and gone They through, just so. didn't didn't have it uh, today. Huss. I don't know if it was, they weren't as organized, Australia looking good. Like they got pretty lucky with the VA, you're loving VAR after that second goal got disallowed, but then they scored right after. Um not ideal for Canada. The first one was allowed, and I thought like yeah. they were kind of saying, "Oh, this is going to get called back for sure," and then it wasn't. Mm. So, I don't know. I'm still enjoying the World Cup, although, like, will we really care? We watch things when all the games are at two in the morning and six in the morning. Mm. It's going to be tough to see, but um, probably be the, the people that are ranting right now are the people in like Bell and CTV headquarters right now, thinking that they'd be at least getting a few more games no. of the home team. We don't feel bad for them. I mean, I feel bad for Canada sports fans that we can't, but as far as network executives, please, Hustler. Um, as, hey, just quickly before we go, has the CFL figured out the stats no. thing yet? Nah, I don't think so. The, like, I, so sometimes, you know, I'm out and about, and, like, I like to watch the play-by-play, like, text on my phone. Yeah. It was so much better last year. Like, they told you the down and distance. They told you. And, like, sometimes they're, like, missing plays here. Like, it's pretty bad. So, like, I think there were a couple games where they just don't have it working. But, no, I don't think it's, I don't think it's better. And you Google a player and you, you pull up their player stats page. And, like, it's not... Like it's not there, and like I'm going to like pull up the CFL league le- like league leaders right now, and I got to you can't see you got to download a PDF now. Someone informed me, I think it was Jason Jed or someone, that if you go to TSN.ca, they've I guess they've have the leaders and you can sort it and stuff. But I don't know. I don't really go to like like what site when you want to look at stats do you go to for whatever league? Like do you ever use the TSN site for anything? Uh no no TSN site. Like yeah, here's the not. the and TSN not site just... has all the stats. You can sort by completion attempt, but you can't do it on the CFL site, which is oh you well you know what that's one of the few actual useful things I've seen on the TSN site in a long time. Maybe I will start going over I'm, there to be honest. Well, got to make your <clears throat> like they have receiving yards. Man, I would have never guessed Tevin Jones and Sean Bain lead. Is that because they haven't had a buy? Like, how are these guys leading the league in receiving yards on the... Well, Trevor Harris accurate? was slinging. Trevor Harris was slinging it earlier this year. That's crazy. Uh, and then, yeah, Dalton Schoen was 473 earlier. Man, but Ray no, Odom's he... Dukes is second in the league in receiving uh, in catches? We're going to we're gonna have to recalibrate this heading into Man, the... Uh... Justin Hardy, he's picked it up since Crum 
got in. I, you know, I, you and I were really disappointed with Ottawa driving at the end of the game oh. on on uh, on Friday, and like Crum's marching down. First of all, Crum, man, this guy is fearless. I'm scared for him. He's reckless. He's gonna get hurt. Uh, he took some big, big one from Simone Lawrence. He's lucky he was only in the back. But he got up and just kept driving through. He's like John Elway in that Super Bowl getting helicoptered uh, at times. It's <laughs> a great game. You know what? That was pretty damn close. He, but yeah, um, I, I'm not sure what what is uh, – I mean, the the most noteworthy thing about that game, though, we quickly, before we go, have to talk about this. The people that are ranting right now are Ticats fans. Yeah. How Bo Levi Mitchell ends up getting injured in victory formation – is absolutely beyond me. Now, I guess they were on the two-yard line or something like that, and I guess he thought that maybe he didn't have enough room to just go back and take the knee. But he's back on the sixth game, injured at that, and that is, I don't know, coaching malpractice. They said that the plan was for him to take a sneak. Is that just Bo Levi being a, trying to be a big hero? Not that there's being a big hero in getting an extra one yard on a sneak. Um. Listen, they won the game, but they lost the quarterback again. And uh, as I said, it's a bit of a turtle race right now. A lot of mediocre teams and uh, one incredibly bad team. And I guess we'll find out whether Saskatchewan and Calgary are closer to the Elks or the Bombers and Lions over the course of this next little while. Yeah, and just about, you know, they're driving Ottawa and what, they're like two yards away from the first down at the one. And they bring in the big dog, uh, Milanovic Litre on second down. And everyone saw it coming and he was stuffed. I was surprised they didn't just try like two like sneaks or something. As much as I hate the sneaks because they suck for fantasy and they're not entertaining to watch. But I thought they were just going to sneak it twice. But they brought in the big dog and he got stuffed. You can't, that can't happen. That was there uh, for Ottawa to take it over Hamilton. It was made both teams. Uh, Calgary too. They couldn't get it done in the red zone at the end, and neither could Ottawa. I was, I was really surprised they brought the guy in, Leitre. There, I thought you know, they were going to let Crum cook, and they did not. You know what? It's nuts. I still can't even be getting. You can't. I'm 20, trying to pull up the stats us from this game. Twenty-three stats. I'm trying to pull it up. Like this is what happens. Like, how are you? We supposed to talk about the game when I can't see the damn numbers? Like we worked earlier today. I was reading them off um, for which game was it? For one of the games, I was oh the the I was reading out Dane Evans stats. But sometimes like now, they work, sometimes they don't. So like yeah, watch, no rhyme, no rhyme. Type in Zach Caleros. Okay, go to his CFL page, and like, oh, they have the stats now. Okay, sometimes they don't work, so they do have them for this year. Yeah, I just checked on, but I mean, they I'm the game just log. trying to filter the passing leaders for this season. Oh, you got to go to TSN. Uh, filters are missing. Search was not made. Man Jake, man, Jake Mayer's leading the league in passing yards. He's five ahead of Zach. I'm shocked, Jake Mayer, because he's had some really bad games, but he's had some some good games. Where he, threw, he had that game last week. He threw for 400. This week he threw for you know just over 200. And yeah, that field goal, I mean, field goal party yesterday, horrible for was, fans. It was all about all about the field goals last night, and it was just bizarre. I mean. It was one, the other. It went from seven to four, seven to four, I think like four different times. And then they weren't able to get it done at the end of the game. 
How about Bo? Also, Bo on Friday, what, he threw like six interceptions? No, I thought this was the case um, when that first game here, when he threw, like, his receivers, I mean, some his throws, some of them are pretty inaccurate, but when it is on the money, he's the receivers aren't coming down oh. with the catches. He's not getting help at all. Uh, the last from the one receivers. was a was a should have been a catch, ended up as a pick, and they know, need to got they need to switch that in football. It's like if you hit a receiver on the hands and it bounces up and gets picked, like it's just on the quarterback. Like there needs to we need to have some other way to measure interceptions because I don't think every interception is a receiver's fault. I mean, is a quarterback's fault and. You don't have, uh, there's are no, you like, like an agent for you. Are you a QB agent right now? <laughs> no, but you know, you're trying to follow ball? like fantasy and all that stuff. And, and, you know, you watch a game and like your quarterback, you know, makes a nice throw and, and gets dinged for an interception. You lose fantasy points for it. I think that sucks. <laughs> Waiter said, I hope Marshall Ferguson isn't doing the game on Thursday. <laughs> I don't want a rain delay. <laughs> We should, you know what I would love to do, and this would be an interesting segment. Maybe we get one of the producers of those guys, of the, uh, oh. the CFL games and just talk about what the heck happens behind the scenes when they're going to another weather delay. And a couple on the weekend we went through. Um, great stuff, everyone. Well, remote, uh, fun show today. Uh, tomorrow we'll be right back at it. Mike is on a cruise, as we mentioned. So no Mike McIntyre this week, but uh, many of our regular guests, and we might, you never know, might move a favorite into tomorrow's segment. You'll have to join us tomorrow to find out. Big thanks to all of our sponsors, to Gareth Wheeler, to Joey Slattery, Jeff Hamilton, Eddie Steele for jumping on the program today. Have a great night. It's beautiful this evening. Enjoy it. Get outside. But make sure you're back inside, or at least with a mobile device, ready to join us tomorrow, 1 p.m., right here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Have a good one, everyone. Oh, my God. Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.